0: Log talk
1: radio welcome back to the show it is the bachelor news radio show on the bachelor news radio network WCOM in Carboro, North Carolina thanks to all of us and all of you listening and 646 929 0130 the number to get in touch with us press 1 to get on the line questions, comments. The chat room is open and so it's Facebook Live at Pad Nation. You can hit us up at LA Bachelor or at um, Pad Nation to, to watch and listen live. And of course uh, on Pad Nation 2 at Twitter, uh, Instagram, ask questions and uh, we'll be happy to answer those for you. I want to go to my guest. He is the senior pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship Center in Greensboro, North Carolina. You heard the the uh, promo, uh, the Life Cafe that airs every Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern time on our, our website, Pro. He is Pastor Omar Rojas, and, and Pastor Rojas, uh, I hope all is well with you. Thank you for joining us, and I hope all you and your family and your uh, your church is doing well, sir. Yes, sir. All is well. Everybody's safe and and doing great. Thank that's thank God for that, sir. I you know I always want to have you on to, to ask you the tough questions. <laughs> and <laughs> you know I I think you know you're very very well equipped to, to handle those and the, those discussions. And, you know, uh, a group of us that, that started talking about, you know, when you have studies and, and Bible studies and things and you have these conversations, you, you know, people uh, have these discussions, that not to tear it, anyone down, but, uh, you know, in a lot of cases right. to challenge ourselves, the word is the word, right? But to Absolutely. challenge ourselves. And one of the conversations was once saved, always saved. Uh, and, you know, just in doing the research, you know better than I, sir, um, you know, about the scriptures that can refer to, you know, for or against believe or not believe. I mean, you can go to Romans 8, you know, talking about there is therefore not, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can go to Romans 8. You can go to Romans, a lot of Ephesians. You know, oh, yeah. uh, John, Second Timothy. There are a lot of reasons to believe that if you are saved, you're always saved, and it has nothing to do with um, uh, a sort of falling out with God, if you will. you have that salvation, but more so maybe backsliding. So, the, t- talk about the scripture that the, well, what you believe based on the word that you understand. And why you believe in and and those scriptures that kind of line up with it,
2: right? So, um, I, I guess I am, uh, I guess maybe part of the new age person believer. I'm not sure how, how exactly to say that, um, right? But I I, I do believe, um, uh, like you know, like the Bible says in Romans, uh, you know, ten and nine. You know, if, if you believe, if you believe and confess you know, then then you shall be saved. Um, so I, I do believe, I guess, uh for uh lack of better terms, once saved, always saved, um, because it is a matter of belief and confession. Um, you know, even John, you know, three sixteen, uh super familiar passage of scripture, right? But, you know, it, it right. talks about, you know, if we believe and then, then we shall not perish. Um so there's uh, as you were saying, there's probably, uh, not literally, but there's a, a million scriptures that, you know, would would uh, talk about, you know, the, the belief in having eternal life. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess to say <laughs> um, it's more so really, uh, wow, I, I guess I would challenge a, a belief. Uh, you know whether you really, truly wh- whether a person would you know believe uh, truly, um, you know on him. You know because I guess the the, the biggest argument uh, would be you know well if I believe if I confess with my mouth you know the Lord Jesus and I'm saved uh, Romans ten and nine then you know then I can just you know <laughs> live whatever life. And because I confess, you know, and 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 I, I believe in, that I'm saved. Well, you know, that's, you know, that sounds right, you know. But when, like, like, you know, good old cliche, you know, when you know better, you do better. Right. You know, so when you really do believe, then 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 you do things differently. You don't continue to do the same things when you
1: really believe something. So, so just to be clear. You, you you believe once saved always saved, but but not practicing, not trying to, not uh, continuing to to deliberately live in sin. Is that what you're saying, or right. am I getting right. it wrong? Okay. Right. Yeah. I know I was jumping around with okay. it <laughs> <laughs> No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, it's just I wanted to make sure I was clear on what you're saying because you know one of the one of the, the issues that uh, non-believers have, uh, a pastor, it seems, is that they would say, they would say, and even yeah. some scholars that research say that sometimes that the Bible can be can seem sort of contradictory. I mean, for mm-hmm. all the scriptures that, that refer to once saved always saved in that belief, you know, what about the passages that seem to refer to a person losing salvation? Uh, uh, I mean, 1 Corinthians 3.12 and Hebrews say refers to the potential loss, you know, in believers in the, the afterlife. I mean, 13, I think, says, if I, if I could pull it up, said he himself would be saved, but only as through fire. Um, you know, First Corinthians 3.14 says every believer will enter to heaven. The difference is the context regarding that is the believer, if they would receive it or not. Hebrews 6 talks about uh, uh, different interpretations of that. So what do you say to those who could grab some scriptures and say, well, you know, that's not necessarily true. And here's why, which is always seems to be uh, sort of a way people kind of want to. I think, use, in my opinion, an excuse not to believe anyway, but there are people right. who will go through the scriptures and say, no, pastor, I understand, but no, it's this, because here's why they go to different scriptures. Right.
2: And, 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 uh, you know, we can, we can, I literally could jump on the other side of the fence and, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, argue against myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Um, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's really about our our personal conviction, you know, our our personal relationship with God. Um, I I think, you know, in the church, outside of the church, we, um, you know, we, 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 we debate and argue about, about, you know, things where it just causes a big, great, you know, separation and, uh, you know we have to be really, really mindful of that. Um, but I again could, uh, you know, hate to use this word, but I could counter those scriptures with with scriptures as well. Um, you know, with you know uh, scriptures that will will say, well, hey, you know, what well, if you uh, again? There's, there's a whole lot in Romans. I mean, you're saying, you know, you've given some in Romans three, and we got like you said Romans eight. Therefore, now there's you know no condemnation of sin. Which my personal uh, uh, way of saying that is, I did it, but I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, you mm. know, again Romans ten Romans ten and eight. Um, it, but then Paul, you know, talks about these, um, like in Romans five, where he talks about how you know sin increases, but grace increases even the more. Uh, but then in, in Romans six and six and one, because it's like, okay, well he says sin increases, but grace will increase. So that means I can do what I want, and then God's grace is, you know, as 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 Paul would say, you know, His His grace is sufficient; it'll it'll cover sin. Absolutely, you know, um, you know, but uh, you know, like Romans six and one, um, yeah, you know, I, I I'm just looking at it, it says, what shall we say right. to all this? You know, should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit, so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow? Verse two, certainly not. How can we? The very ones who died to sin continue to live it uh live in it any longer? Or are we ignorant of the fact that all of us have been baptized in, in uh Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death, so that Jesus as Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father. Uh we too might walk habitually in newness of life. Um, you know, Again, when when I when I confess and I believe then I'm moving away from I am moving away essentially from that intentional stuff. You know, when I'm just you know I'm just intentionally going I'm just going, you know what? I believe Jesus is you know, he's my Lord and Savior. He got up on the third day, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, we confess that with our mouth and and I believe it, but I'm going to intentionally continue to live my life. within. Well, then, again, as I said in the beginning, I have to challenge my belief because when I believe it, I don't want to do anything that will, uh, you know, make his work on the cross in vain, if
3: that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. And I guess, too, uh, Pastor, again, i I leave all the the, uh, the the biblical and uh, the pastoral stuff to you, but it almost sounds like you're saying once saved, always saved. For some, is a crutch because if they feel that, then and some right, they think because they're mm-hmm. saved, then it almost gives them license in their mind right. that it's okay to sin. Or if I said, well, you know, I'm saved anyway, so it's okay
2: and no it's not you know because uh, at, at the end of the day as i was just saying you know we we we're making his work on, on on the cross you know almost in vain you know um, right you know it's like excuse me with any relationship um you know with you know with a loved one we we're doing our very best to make sure that we're not you know violating you know you know say a husband and wife or whatever we're just putting that, you know, type of relationship out there, um, you know, we're doing our very best to make sure that we're not violating that relationship. Um, you know, so, again, hey, I'm, I'm going to, you know, whatever that person needs, you know, for me to trust them, I'm willing to do that because I want, I want to be in this relationship. And so, you know, we do what we, you know, what's necessary to, to, to make sure that that other person is pleased with us. So, you know, when I really believe and, and, and really have entered into a relationship with God, then then I am going to, you know, make the necessary changes. Does that mean I'm not going to, you know, mess up? No, that doesn't mean that. Um, but it also means that I, I know how to go to that person. I know how to go to God and say, God, I messed up, you know, uh, you know. Uh, you know, for for um, not really knowing how to put it, but, you know, I won't do it again. I'm, I'm basically just saying repent. You know, I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to turn away from it because I know how this makes you feel, and it makes me feel some kind of way, making you feel bad. So I'm not going to do that. You know, so, again, because like the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short, you know, but I'm acknowledging and say, hey, God, I messed up. I'm not going to do this again. You forgive me. I mm. won't do this.
1: If you're just joining us, we're talking to Pastor Omar Rojas, a pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship Center in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, also the host uh, or the, the broadcast, the Life Cafe broadcast that airs on our website, our, our uh, network, pro, uh, on Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. A very, very good uh, program uh, you, you do need to uh, check out. Uh, pastor Rojas, two, two things. Um, it isn't, if, if once save, always save, uh, is, is salvation. I'm gonna get back to that in a second. Um, Mm -hmm. but people, I mean, like you said, we all fall short. So we're sinners, you know, by birth, but saved by grace. But if, if they do deliberately sin, then are they really saved? Because again, I don't know. You know better, not. Uh, and I don't want to feel like people think I'm preaching or anything. But from what my understanding <laughs> is, is that if you know you're convicted, and that conviction is supposed to be the Holy Spirit. So if you're convicted, you still right. sin. Are you really? Are you really saved?
3: Right.
2: Uh, well, yeah. You know, it's it's where the whole intention comes. You know what I mean? Uh, am I just intentionally doing it? You know, and, and that kind of goes back to that, you know, Romans, uh, it's eight and one, you said, and of course I, I kind of gave my own, <laughs> uh, interpretation of it. I did it, but I didn't do it. You know, right. um, you know, that's where that comes in where, you know, I messed up, but I'm not going to let that keep me. I'm a, I'm gonna keep you know, pushing forward. God right. forgive me. I'm, you know, asking for your forgiveness and I believe his grace, you know, is, is sufficient to cover what it is. But now when I continue to, you know, when I'm intentionally, okay, I just keep doing this, then, then, well, now I got a question whether you, you know, you know do I really love God or do I really believe? Because I keep doing, you know, the, the same thing over and over again. So, you know, again, the question is, is you know, where's my intent? You know where where really is my
1: belief. Is struggle part of that, though, it I mean, it, you know, if there's someone has an addiction, whatever the addiction is, or you know, they're trying to do right, but they just they just can't get right. to where they with, need to be with and they, that same issue or. S- problem seems to keep, does that, is that sort of like using my terms, is that sort of points for good towards God? Like I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying that kind of thing.
2: Right. But, but, and, and I don't want to sound like, uh, super insensitive, but you know, uh, how, how are we trying, you know? Right. Um, are, are we really going through the, the, the process of trying, um, you know, because uh, part of trying means you know what I'm, you know, especially with struggle because I, you know, I've struggled with things and and even struggle with things now. Um, but you know, am, am I purposely, you know, on purpose trying to do better? Like, am I eliminating all of these things that I can't that I have to out of my life? So that I'm really putting forth a a valiant a valiant effort, you know because when i'm putting forth that valiant effort that's when you know again, I believe you know that that that's when his grace comes to 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 really help us because we put forth that that effort you know it's like paul you know when when it talks about um um where he, you know he says I, I, I besought the Lord three, thrice, three times, you know about this this thorn in my side, this thorn in my flesh, and you know, right. he talks about it being this messenger of set, Satan sent to sent to buffet me, and, you know, and and then you know he has this conversation with God and 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 he finds out well you know well when I'm I'm weak, I'm really strong. Why? Because of His grace. So he goes on to say His grace is sufficient. So. Knowing that in his weak, that God's strength is available, he's now saying, okay, when I'm weak, I'm knowing his strength is available, I'm going to tap into it. And, his, and, and tapping into his, you know, God's grace or his strength is helping me to overcome you know this struggle it's helping me to overcome in that weak moment, not to say that I might not mm. have that thing to my my mouth or or you know have that thing in my hand, not saying that it might not hit my hand or you know or, or it's not gonna hit my mouth but i i, I won't follow all the way through
1: mm. If you're just joining us, talking with Pastor Omar Rojas here, um, a senior pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship, and of course the overseer uh, of the Life Cafe broadcast that airs on Saturdays, 5 p.m. at the uh, broadcast, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, uh, pastor, so when you look at the, the grace and being saved, how can a believer have assurance of salvation? I mean, you know, it seems as though the Bible commands Christians. Uh, we have to take a look at ourselves and just to ensure, I guess, truly in our faith, right? So, um, and right. do sort of a uh, we're not being self-deceived, thinking that we are. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, you you know, confessing what you're believing, confessing with your, um, believe it, confess with your mouth, believing your heart, and you're saved. But but yeah. self. Uh, um, Determination, if you are, but even Paul said, "Examine yourselves, right?" So, yeah. so how how do people have assurances with everything that you said of that self salvation? It's like a sort of like a checklist, if you will. <laughs> right. Uh, listen, I, I I'll you know, I'll <laughs> preach this in a minute.
2: We have to, you know, take that 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 self inventory. We have to, you know, look at our lives, uh, you know, circumspectly um, you know, to, to make sure that we are, you know, to a certain degree, you know, dotting every I and, and, and crossing every T, if you will. Um, but, you know, h- how do I have the insur- uh, assurance rather? Um, is, it's, you know, everything is always going to be word-based. So I got to go to the word. But again, that all comes with my belief. So, you know, you know, there's so many things that, well, it's not so many, but there's a few things that, that, you know, impact our, you know, belief systems. We have, uh, you know, credible others, people we trust, uh, you know, repetitious information, um, and, and even experiences. Um, so these are the things that, that shape and mold our, you know, our belief system. And so, uh, you know, if, if we're really going to, uh, you know, again, shape and mold it, well, then I need to, you know, as we said, credible others, I need to get around people that, you know, that, that believe like I believe, you know, right. uh, to, to help fortify my belief uh you know you know repetitious information so i'm going to get into the word you know and 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 look at scriptures you know repeatedly like john 316 um you know like uh, you know first john 513 i'm just kind of throwing these out here uh sure. romans 520 uh jude 124 he says he's able to keep us from stumbling from falling uh, uh john 10 uh 10 uh verse 28 where he talks about no one can snatch us out of god's hand um philippians 1 and 6 he who begun a good work in us will complete it to the day of salvation um you know and and we could continue to go on but we have to uh you know constantly you know put those scriptures put that word of god in us because it's going to again help the shape and mold and uh, and, and shape and mold our belief system. So the more that I, I get it in me, the more I believe it. You know, because it's again just repetitious uh, information.
1: Mm. You know, getting some feedback from people that um, he didn't um, say he didn't say the scripture. I don't think him. I'm just kind of mm-hmm. uh, uh, reading it, and he uh, says uh, the the emailer says a person who has done um uh acts sixteen thirty one everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved joel two thirty two right. a person who has done this is born is born again john three three he says is regenerated by the holy spirit john three five right. so that they no longer reject god 's ways it's it's just it it seems as though and i guess go back to just in closing it 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 really sounds like in um what you're saying is once saved always saved but doing that that self-examination and what your intentions are um right. really having that i guess that conviction you we call it the holy spirit and and, it, and it's a daily a daily walk right so if you're right. in, embedded if you're grounded into the scripture then i think that helps but i I think someone said emailed that. Well, if you teach the wrong thing, I'll leave you with this, and you can comment on this. Someone said that. Uh, well, if if a pastor is, is um, you know teaching the wrong thing, then they have blood on their hands. And mm-hmm. I don't know how you respond to that because it, I mean, it, again, I, I would think, Pastor, again, you're the pastor if you're grounded in the word, you, you, you know, you can rebuke that because you know that's not right if you're studying the word. So I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're, if, if a pastor is, you know, blatantly teaching his congregation the wrong thing, um, then that's bloody his, but go ahead. Absolutely.
2: Because we do have, uh, we do have, you know, those, you know, pastors, preachers or, you know, whatever title we want to give it today, um, that, that that usurp their authority and teach uh their own doctrine, you know, uh just in order to get people to, to, to follow them, you know. Um and so so yeah, those are those are the you know, the false teachers. Um and but yeah, absolutely. We there there are excuse me, false teachers among us and, you know, as, as the emailer said, um, you know teaching the wrong thing will will definitely you know put blood on a on a, on a false teacher 's hand, and so you know all the more reason why you know as as pastors you know leaders in the church whatever uh, you know that that you know that we make sure that we study to show ourselves approved a that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth and when we when we look at the Bible, when we read the Bible, when we get understanding of the Bible and 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 have a uh personal relationship with God, you know we'll find out you know that that you know when I believe and confess I'm saved and 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 and, and it's just that when I believe and confess um Part, you know, again, part of the problem is, is we have a lot of people that are just confessing and not believing. And so that's why we can live our lives mm. because we're just confessing and not believing, you know. Mm. Oh, well, I said it. Yeah, you said it. But did you really believe it? Because when you believe it, you'll make a change.
1: And you'll live your life accordingly. Gotcha. Uh, right. that, I got another the conviction comes. Right. I got uh, my other guests on the line but I do want to ask you this before you go. Well, I just want you to comment on it that I guess to your point when we were talking about false prophets and things. Um mm-hmm. uh, the emailer emailer Wayne in Atlanta said, you know, um church gets a bad rap when you have pastors doing illegal things or sex scandals, uh et cetera. Um I mean, you can comment on that if you if you like, sir.
2: It's, it's very true. Um, and, and and it's unfortunate, and so we have a lot of people that are, um, you know, don't don't trust the church, or or you know, let me let me rephrase that. Uh, we have a lot of people with you know, quote unquote, you know, church hurt, you know. Um right. <laughs> And so you know sure. we we got to be really careful, you know, you know what we call hurt, you know, um, because you know if I. If I going this may sound funny, it may not um if I slip and fall at Walmart, does that mean I got Walmart hurt? right
1: or well, you just hurt um, <laughs> i <mean. laughs> I'm just
2: I just slipped and fell, and so right. I don't blame where I was you know for the reason why I got hurt um you know i i I, I, I slipped and fell because maybe there was something on the floor, or, or you know maybe I didn't watch my step. you know, but i don't you know so you know i I, I got to be mindful I, I might have got hurt at the church but it was uh, and i'm talking about physical um you right. know i, I might have got hurt at the church but it was a person at the church and i know somebody's going to say well you know we are the church you you you're absolutely right we we do make up the church uh but when we're talking about church hurt we're talking about where it was and we and and
3: and
2: and we stopped going to the place because it happened at the church you know so so you know we're going to keep it where where it is you know i got hurt right. by a immature person at the church right um and so that's like a whole different topic for another day possibly
3: uh,
2: <laughs> right <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah and, and or you know it might have just it probably maybe wasn't the church for you it could have you know i mean again Absolutely. that
3: that
1: i believe that's all that's all is in, in you know that that whole walk i mean you're just going to be in the place you need to be you know so maybe this wasn't for that person but uh, i i i think that um a lot of people uh com- complain for the sake of complaining uh that's right. our, our nature that's our nature right you know it's, it's the reason why reality tv works because people like to see other people miserable i mean that to be honest right. about it so right about it. you know people are <laughs> looking right. for stuff to say uh pastor uh omar rojas of course he is the uh senior pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship Center in Greensboro, North Carolina, the good city of Greensboro, you used to live there, uh, and of course the Life Cafe broadcast that airs Saturdays uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern on our website. You have to listen. Always a good message uh, and a, a very relaxed atmosphere. Uh, it's at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Pastor, anything you want a final thing you want to say, sir? Uh,
2: no, sir. No, sir. Uh, I'm. Just glad. Uh, uh, thank you for the invite. Always a pleasure to be uh, on with you tackling uh, some some pretty tough subjects, it seems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so always.
1: I hey, that's, <laughs> well, I have a lot of respect for you, sir. And so that's why we I want guess. you on the, the tough pastors with the tough tough topics. That's what we like to do. So <laughs> thank you so much, sir. God bless, and uh, we'll talk with you soon, and uh, look forward to your broadcast this uh, coming Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Absolutely.
4: I'm Emily Ochsenschlager, assistant producer for Tell Me More, and one of the people in black history who I remember most is Zora Neale Hurston. She was an author, folklorist, and anthropologist who is perhaps most famous for her novel Their Eyes Were Watching God. She was proud of where she grew up, Eatonville, Florida. It was one of the first all-black towns to be formed after the Emancipation Proclamation, and the first such community to become incorporated. To this day when I read her work, I'm instantly transported to the world she must have seen before her. I can feel the humid summer nights of Eatonville on the back of my neck. I can draw inspiration from the strong women she writes about, women I imagine to be a lot like the fiercely independent Hurston herself. Armed with her notebook in hand, eyes and heart wide open, Zora Neale Hurston was ready to document life in words and ways rarely used before, and few have been able to replicate since. Hurston herself once said, there is no agony like bearing an untold story inside you. Thankfully for us, hindsight is 2020, and the stories inside Zora Neale Hurston are getting the recognition and readership they deserve. That was Emily Ochsenschlager, assistant producer for Tell Me More, paying tribute to author Zora Neale Hurston. To browse the full series of Tell Me More Black History Month essays, log on to NPR.org and in the search field type, Black History Heroes.
1: Basson News Radio show on the Basson News Radio Network and our sister station WCOM uh, LP in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We thank you wherever you're listening and enjoying uh, the show thus far. The number to reach us is 646-929-0130. And you can listen and follow us on Pad Nation at Facebook, Pad Nation 2 at Twitter. You can also hit us up on the chat room online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA hyphen bachelor. I want to bring him a guest. Uh, he is a former NFL player with the Cincinnati Bengals and the Atlanta Falcons. Also, he's the founder of the Pro Start Academy. It's an academy, uh, academic and athletic enhancement program designed to develop the athletic academic and life skills of students between the ages of 12 and 17. He is Gary Burley and Mr. Burley, it's a pleasure to have you on the Bastion News radio show for the first time, sir. I hope all is well with you.
5: All is well and thank you very much for having me.
1: Thank you. So I want to get into um, what you're trying to start. If you could just touch on what the ProStart Academy is, and how you started that.
5: Well, um, ProStart Academy, as you mentioned, is an academic and a football academy. And we teach the basic fundamentals of the sport, but also the academics that we're going to need to uh, get in school and stay there once they get there. So we have uh, all former football players and coaches, but other professionals and academics that – that teach the actual uh, courses that they need to uh prepare themselves for. And that's what we do. You know, it 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 sounds it, it sounds like something that
1: uh needs to be across the country. I know that's not one of the things you want to talk about but uh, one of the things obviously but you know you 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 played in the NFL for 10 years. You 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 started with the Bengals. You played with some 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 pretty uh solid players. Um, you went to the University of Pittsburgh, but you didn't go to an HBCU. And one of the things you're trying to do now to help HBCUs is this traveling exhibit um sort of uh, museum, if you will, or historic exhibit um, to talk about the history of the first African-Americans in the National Football League, which I think was 1946. Why this? Was it something that you thought about after you, let, you graduated from a PWI and you didn't go to an HBCU? How did, you, how did this all come about?
5: Well, um, when I was a senior in high school, I have to go all the way back there. I met Jack Hicks. I mean, John Hicks and Jack Tatum at a function at Ohio State. And after I beat them in a foot race, they asked me where I was going to college. And I told them (laughs) Westinghouse. I told them Westinghouse. And uh, they said, where is Westinghouse? And I told them it was an appliance manufacturer because my dad told me if I didn't go to college, I was going to work. So after they got through laughing, they said, no, you're going to college, and we're going to help you get there. So they trained me uh, as far as football fundamentals and, and that and introduced me to their professors. And the next thing you know, I'm going to college. So I had a bunch of mentors that helped me get from high school to college to the pros, and I always said that one day I'm going to do the same thing for kids, and that's how Pro Start was born. Uh, in two thousand seven, we started Pro Start, and it's been rolling ever since.
1: So Pro Start. So this this mission, this vision that you have in terms of the African the uh, exhibit for African Americans um, in the first year in football was a spinoff of ProStart.
5: Well, no, actually, um, the idea came from a former Steeler, uh, Dave Smith, and Dave introduced me to the project, and we were going to work together and, and put it together. Well, I got sick and uh, had to have a kidney transplant, cancer, whole nine yards, and I had to put it on hold, and I'm just now getting back. But what we've done is we started a scholarship, and five student athletes will get a scholarship and hopefully an internship from some of our corporate sponsors. Now, the proceeds from our celebrity golf tournament will go towards that scholarship. So we had to figure out some ways to keep funding that scholarship. So I thought since the uh, commissioner Uh, of the NFL already knew about the idea. Maybe we could revitalize and start doing a traveling, put together a traveling exhibit that could go to each um, HBCU and they could make money off of it. So those are some of the things that we want to do uh, for HBCU. And, And it's going to
1: be clear You know, do you want to take this exhibit on the road, educate people, raise funds through this exhibit to help
5: all HBCUs that that exist all across the country? Oh, yeah. Well, we want to, as many that want to be involved with us. You know, everybody's not going to want to do it. But the ones that do will have an opportunity to participate in the uh, proceeds.
1: Uh, if you're just joining us, folks, we talking with Gary uh, Burley, a former NFL player in the National Football League, here on the Vast News Radio Show in WCOM. Uh, fine defensive end. Uh, uh, I, I teased him off air. He should have went to Pittsburgh, but he, he, I know he knew Dwight White and Elsie Greenwood and Mean Joe. And I guess it wasn't a lot of room, so he went to Cincinnati and had a had a, had a solid ten year career. Um, Gary, when you, you look at this, you made a reference about HBCUs. Maybe some of them may not want to be uh, connected to this thing. And, and a lot of times on this program, we talk about HBCUs coming together, um, having of a, a, a HBCU or a Black College Super Bowl or a Black College National Championship of Basketball, so on and so forth, and – you know some of the conversations that you know some schools don't want to participate; they want to do their own thing. We've seen the likes of A and T and others that have gone on to PWI schools, down these historically black colleges. So, what what would be the thing you say the selling point about getting involved with this? Because not only this is a win win, because you're you're talking about The four players, which if you want, we can get into the four players that played, the first four players that played in the NFL back in 46. So you're getting educated, and you're getting some proceeds to help keep the doors open. So what would be the selling point for that? Would that be it
5: for you? Well, as I mentioned to you earlier, my wife is the president of an HBCU, and I I can see the inequities uh, as far as sports go. Um, for their student-athletes and and their facilities. And I tried to figure out a way that I could make a win-win situation for both parties, the cities and uh, the HBCUs. And the way we do that is put together a host of potential uh, sponsors that the HBCUs can also cultivate relationships as well. Um, each city is going to have different sponsors that would sponsor the traveling exhibit, right? Well, there's funds that could be generated from that through memorabilia sales, through T-shirt sales, you know, what have you, whatever. And that would be the incentive for the HBCU because we'd like to start scholarships um, at each school if we could. So as long as we're looking income, um, each school, that could uh, participate as far as the scholarship goes, and the reason so, for uh, the scholarship. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say. What you just, I, I didn't mean to interrupt.
1: So I was going to say that. So the they they will get proceeds and get scholarships uh, on behalf of uh, a post-start academy. So again, there's a third leg that would be a win-win-win for them. Is that what you're saying?
5: Oh yeah. Well, if if they decided to. Uh, if they wanted a scholarship, we could set up, in addition to the, uh, in addition to the traveling exhibit, a celebrity golf tournament in each city. I mean, that's what we do. So we're trying to partner with HBCUs to help them raise money, and right now our focus is on Miles College, but we'd like to develop a, a, a long-term relationship with other HBCUs and. This is the way we want to do it. And if they're interested, they will. If they're not, then, you know, we just move on. We move forward. Right.
1: Uh, just joining us, folks, uh, out there, and I think we've got some questions. Um, we're talking with former NFL player Gary Burley, of course, uh, drafted out of uh, University of Pittsburgh in, in uh, 1975, played with the uh, Cincinnati Bengals from 76 to 83, played a year with the Falcons as well.
3: Um,
1: from Birmingham, and, and full disclosure, like you said, your wife—if um, if it's it's okay—is president of Miles College and in, in, in Birmingham. So that uh, between her and Mister Smith, this vision came. Um, talk about some of the spinoffs um, of this. I know we we talked briefly um, uh, about you know some of the other things, but. I know you want to uh do you do the celebrity golf tournament um you 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 have the uh that you want to develop an HBCU bowl game then in, in Birmingham uh you're working on a documentary um uh, also uh, a stage play and and the bigger one which the NFL tried and COVID hit a football combine for the students can you touch on those specifics uh, about what they, what, where they are in their inception, and 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 how they're progressing at this point.
5: Well, uh, we're focused right now on the celebrity golf tournament and developing the traveling exhibit. Uh, those other spinoffs are things that have been discussed, and um, we're in the process now of developing uh, the scripts and, and the. Uh, um, Writing My coach, my high school football coach, was the uh, top sports writer for the Chicago Tribune for 30 years. And he has an organization that he works with that does documentaries. And when I told him about this traveling exhibit, he asked me, well, what about doing a documentary on it? I said, you know, anything that we can do to tell this story that, to my knowledge, has never been told fully, like the history of the first African-American in the National Football League, anything that would help that, get that word out, then that's what I'm interested in doing. So we're, right. in, uh, Go ahead. we're in discussions with uh, the uh, uh, Red Mountain Theater here in, uh, in Birmingham to, to do a stage play. So right now, you know, those are the things that we're working on, and it's going to take some time. Can you talk about those four
1: players? I mean, uh, not only this, this what you're trying to do is in the climate of a lot of people trying to help HBCU. The, uh, it, we've seen actors that are putting on uh, basketball exhibitions to, to highlight HBCU players. We've seen what Deion Sanders is trying to do. Um, Master P wants to buy an HBCU, so this is the climate for it, but I, I, want, I want you to talk about the actual exhibit, those four players, and what would be involved with it.
5: Well, uh, I tell you, it, it'll be a, and I'll send you the outline, I mean, the, uh, the image of what the exhibit would look like, but it'll be a interactive, it'll be uh photos, Game film. Can you hold on for just a second? I'm at an HBCU scrimmage game right now, and the band just started.
1: oh wow, and the band oh, just go. started. They're live radio. Uh, it's uh, oh, yeah. he, he, he's at the at at one of the uh, games there, uh, folks. We're gonna give I'm him back. a second. Just give him a second there. Much better yeah they are getting getting down the band is definitely getting down um <laughs> it, but you if you could talk about um the players and and actually that that played that first season, and also as you were going into what the exhibit actually looks like
5: well, like I said, it's going to be uh, an interactive uh exhibit. Uh, film, memorabilia, and it'll tell the story of the first four guys that came into the league. Mr. Williams, um, I'm sorry, Uh, Mr. Williams and the other three guys that came in. And, uh, you know, there was some people that played professional football back in the 30s, but these are the first guys that were ever on a team, an NFL team. And Under contract So that's the story that we're going to tell Because the young uh, student-athletes Don't know How they got from How these guys were making Minimum wage To the millions that they get today And they need to know that there were some people here Before them That are the reason for Them being in a position to Take advantage of this situation So that's the story we want to tell and all the
1: how hard- realistic. Right, right. And I was, that that was definitely something on my mind when I thought about the league back then. Uh, Mr. Burley, but how how realistic, going back, I just want to touch back on HBCUs. We know the HBCUs, the Mel and guys that played in the league, they made the league, even going way before those guys. They helped build the league. Um, And then coming up to you and Kenny Riley and those Bengals teams and stuff, you guys made it where these guys are making just, they're printing the league is printing money and the the guys got their hands out. How realistic, though, is it, going back to to the combine, HBCU combine idea? is it for you guys to put together? And what do you think of what the NFL trying to do in terms of an NFL HBCU combine?
5: Well, you know, 70% of the league is African American. So there's a lot of uh African American players that don't get an opportunity to get looked at. So it's very it's a much needed thing to have an HBCU combine, and, you know, we're going to pitch it to the NFL if they're interested. Fine. If not, then what we'll do is just get, gather all the information from the testing and the weightlifting and the 40-yard dash time and send it to the NFL so they know about the guys that are available. It would save them money, so they'll have a, a whole uh, history of the guys that we interviewed. Right,
1: I wanna touch on one time. other thing. I wanna touch on one other thing. Um I know you know you at the, the game there the exhibition. Um with the NFL and the way they handle PTEs and concussions and, and not only that but the players way back going to your era and further back who have concussions, who've got uh dementia and injuries and they they they're in court trying to get the NFL to give them the, the compensation so they could take care of themselves and their time after the league. I, mean, I you know, Walter Payton uh I mean um Earl Campbell couldn't walk. Jerome Bettis has issues. Go back to the you know, way back to guys who have of issues and, it, you know, on this program, we feel like the NFL is kind of putting these guys off until they kind of gone. So what's your thoughts on that and, and trying to, the NFL trying to right the ship to help these, these guys. Um, I know you've had injuries that to help these guys get through what they've, they've been through and their families.
5: Well, you know, my position is this, um, I applaud the NFL for what they're trying to do. Uh, You know, it's better late than never. And guys now are positioned to get some of this funding. And, you know, my hat is off to them.
1: Well you know I, we 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 think they could do a little better, but that's my you know that's my opinion on 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 that or, or just kind of looking at it a little closer so when you when you going back to the exhibit um, where are you guys starting um, what what's the target area, and what's the strategy moving forward and are you doing this on every campus or just every city within Hbcu?
5: Now, I'm sorry, the drummer started up, and I couldn't hear what you were saying. Let me move down the hall a little bit. You were saying again.
1: So, so I was saying. Uh, final question was that how, how is this exhibition going to work? Are are you targeting certain cities, or are you going to go on HBCU campuses one by one to to push this?
5: Well, we're going to pitch uh, HBCUs. But we've partnered with the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame here in Birmingham. And the relationship that we've developed with them is that they will also reach out to other museums. And hopefully those museums will be in the cities where HBCUs are. And if we can't do it on campus, a traveling exhibit, so if we can't do it on campus, um, we can do it at their stadium. We can do it It's pretty much anywhere because we'll have a traveling I mean a uh, a mobile unit to take the the, uh, the exhibit through, but most HBCUs, I would think, if they're like Miles, they have uh, locations where uh, we can do this. Hopefully, it's in a museum. That way, uh, the traffic that comes from the museum uh, will come through for for our exhibit.
1: Well, that that's certainly an aspiration, and I, 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 I'm definitely excited about the idea. But people who want to get involved, if, if they can get involved with this, sir, how can they reach out to you? What, what information can we give them to reach you?
5: Well, they have to look at our website. We're updating the, the website, and it'll have all this information on it. And that's the best way right now to get in touch with me. And we'll make it happen. Whatever questions they have, we can answer them. And whatever support we can yeah, get. Yeah, I know
1: the the Pro Start Academy has a Facebook page.
5: Yes, we right. Have a and you page. have the Facebook page too. Yes, and uh, they are working on our website to put it back up. It's down now, but it'll be back up shortly. We're just having some um, uh, additions put to put uh, added to it. But I well, you, listen, I we really,
1: appreciate
5: you. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show, man. This is, this is great. This is the first interview we've done on the, uh, on the exhibit and uh, Start. But uh, I really appreciate you. And if there's anything I could ever do for you, don't hesitate to call.
1: Absolutely, sir. Listen, we, we appreciate you. You go and enjoy yourself. Thanks for coming on. I'll be in touch. It won't be the last, uh, but thank you, Mr. Burley. Appreciate you, sir. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too. Gary Burley is a former NFL player, uh, defensive end for the Cincinnati Bengals, also played for the Atlanta Falcons, and um, uh, drafted by the University of Pittsburgh, and also the, the uh, founder or originator of the um, implementation of, of, of Pro Talk, I should say Pro Start Academy, uh, it's an academic and athletic Enhancement program designed to Develop the athletic, the academic And the life skills of students aged 12 to 17 Trying to put together What I think is a very good idea um, Historically For HBCU players An HBCU traveling exhibit uh, The history of the first African Americans in the National Football League uh, We thank him, we thank you for listening This is The Bachelor News Radio. Welcome back to the show. We thank you for joining us on the Bass News Radio Show on the Bass News Radio Network and WCOM <clears throat> in Chapel Hill. If you miss any part of our broadcast, you can go and listen to the rebroadcast at our website on our page, dot thebachelornewsradionetwork.com, thebachelornewsradio.network.com. We go back to our guests. Uh, always good to have him on, sports director of urbanmediatoday.com and co-owner and producer, uh, for Urban Media Today Radio, he is Trevin A. Jones. Trevin, appreciate you, sir, coming on as always. What was,
6: what's going on, L.A.? As you can hear in the background, we're busy here. We're doing different podcasts um, at the same time, so I apologize for any extra noise. Um, it's always a pleasure being here. Um, I know that you're, um, man, you're doing big things. Uh, I mean, I hear the guests that you have on. Um very impressed. Uh, always excited to hear your show. Um, so I'm glad
1: to be back. Hey man, listen. We've done live radio all the time. My last guest was at a football game, so you know it's <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know how we gotta, we gotta do it like that sometimes, you know. But it's all good. Listen, real quick, won't hold you uh, mm-hmm. too long. I know you got the podcast going on. Uh, I was looking yep. at the HBCU um, uh, top ten uh, baseball, uh, both D one D two, and you know. Uh, Jackson State is kind of, um, you know, they were ranked. They have been up there. They, they, there was a lot of expectations there. They're number one. Um, and then you look at at at, at Central, um, who really moved up. They they had a good uh, week in seventy three in the top ten, but the, a, a lot of the the movement in say the top five has been ranked some teams doing better than others uh we saw Mm -hmm. a and t drop a little bit they struggled a little bit they were three dropped down only one um state moved up they probably moved up the most going from nine Mm -hmm. to five and they've been undefeated this week but talk about this the top 10 and the d1 level and 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 how these teams are playing because it's really the cream is really to me Rise into the crop, uh, with the exception of maybe Coffin State, rural, your your Norfolk State school, um, and mm-hmm. Famu.
6: Nice you you're Norfolk State. I, I like the way
1: you said that.
6: <laughs> um, I'm always biased because uh, you know I'm a Spartan, as you said. Um, but I think what I like most about what's going on. Um, as, as these teams and these coaches, I mean, they pulled it together. Remember, you know, we're playing amid a COVID season, um, so anything can happen at any time, um, where you know, games could be canceled or, or postponed or put off. Um, but you having some interesting games. I think Grambling State and Jackson State had a great game, um, and, and, and a great matchup. And then I, I think Prairie View is doing their thing as well. And I've heard a lot about Southern. Um, and notice I mentioned all the swag schools. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, it, 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 that seems like that's where um, – because, you know, like Florida and m I know they have, have a, a, a good history, and then I mean, Cookman usually has a good history with baseball as well, and, of course, Norfolk State. But it seems like the strength, L.A., to be honest with you, in my opinion, is out west, like in the swag, because um, it seems like those guys right. are, are just – they're just playing. Um, and and right. it, it looks like they put their foot on the gas and they
1: keep going. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, – it's about uh, seven teams in the uh, top ten uh, mm-hmm. in the, from the SWAC in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't even mention Alabama State, who was – they. man, they had a rough week. They were at number one. Uh, I know we get a vote, and I, I had them up there high, and they had a rough week, and they dropped down to seven, but they are in, in the top ten, but they, they lost eight of their – their last nine games. So it's interesting to see. And then just, you mentioned of, of FAMU, you know, with Mm -hmm. their history, um, Mm -hmm. they got off to a decent start, but boy, they've been struggling though. I mean, they, they, they're still in the top 10, but they, they have haven't won a game in quite some time. Uh, What, what's been the the issue there? I, I know COVID plays a part in it, but I'm sure your coach is not going to say COVID, you know, if everybody's going through COVID, it's really not an excuse for losing at this point.
6: Right. And then also you have to
1: take into consideration
6: um, that when you're rebuilding, there could be rebounds, building, uh, rebounding, um, like restocking. I think they, the most recent game they lost was to Mercer. I think like 10-6, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they just might be going through their bumps and bruises this year. I mean, I think, you know what, when I look at a team like FAMU right now, um to um they can't get on a win they can't get a win um and i think that being in the midst of a covid season if there's an a bright side it's like okay at least this season is a season where there's things going on where it's not normal um so i can i can right. i said a coach would look for an excuse but i can attribute um some things to that um but they're still playing though. i mean they're still giving good competition um nobody's really rolling over them, and everybody knows they have to give them respect once they get on the diamond. Um, so, I mean, I would say when you're playing against the COVID season like this, the mere fact that you're getting to play the games, I think the coach has to be relieved. Of course he wants to win, but I think just the mere fact that you're getting on that field, um, you got to hang your hat on that and say, okay, we're getting the innings in, we're getting the reps in, we're getting the playing time in for our young ones. Yeah,
1: that's a great point, and I think... Uh... HBCU baseball doesn't get the credit for what they've had to do to deal with in the midst of, of you got to still play. If they're going to play, you still got to get it in. Um, so I think they should get credit. Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Trevor Jones. He's sports director of urban media, Today.com, co-owner and producer for urban media today, radio, uh, here on the vast news radio show on the vast news radio network quickly, uh, Trevin with the, uh, the Division Two uh, baseball, mm-hmm. it's a it's a little different. It's top heavy. Yeah. It, it's certainly mm-hmm. um, when you look at you know the top four teams is either mm-hmm. SIAC or CIAA, um, and mm-hmm. really just a, with Virginia State jumping in there, and then you have some outsiders with the. The Florida Memorials, who has a good team, and, mm-hmm. and Russ Collins right. and Xavier Harris Stoles. Uh, I think they got an interim coach there. They're in the top ten. Mm-hmm. West Virginia. So this this top ten here is really not built with the the normal powerhouses at that level, with the exception of maybe Savannah State and Albany State there. Um, but you got sort of these independents. Um, and you have uh, schools that are uh some of the other um mm-hmm. conferences out there. And then you mm-hmm. have a Talagaga. So so talk about this mm-hmm. this top ten, it's it's definitely different than Division One. It's it's kinda scattered. <laughs> Once you get past those first four, it's definitely different. Right.
6: It's always different, I think, when you when you're looking at the Division Two or, or like you said, the small school poll. Um, again, you have a Savannah State in there. Savannah State and Virginia State. Virginia State always had a good baseball team. I remember when Norfolk I can remember when Norfolk State was in the CIAA. <laughs> um, Virginia State, uh, Norfolk State, um, they've always been known for baseball. Um, but I'm not. I mean, when you see Kentucky State at the top, I am a little bit surprised um, because I would have thought like maybe a Savannah State would be up there. Florida Memorial, good baseball. Of course, it's a Florida school, so they get it in. Um, so I'm expecting them to be up there uh, as well all the time. But I'm surprised with the Rust College because Rust, when you talk about small schools, Rust is a small school. School. Um, so for right. them to be in the top ten of the small schools, I think that's impressive.
1: It's it's at that level. Is it more um, because it's more competitive with the talent is more spread out, where you don't see the dominance where you as you mentioned with the SWAC and the D1 level. It, do you think mm-hmm. is that that part of it where you got a lot of talent going to uh, a Savannah State, but then now you know you can see that talent go to a West Virginia State or a Talladega or a Xavier or as you mentioned a Rust College.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Um, and and I, I, like I said, I was joking when I was t- saying. You notice I mentioned all schools out west. I have to give credit kudos to North Carolina Central, North Carolina A and T. Of course, they always have good baseball teams as well. Um, but yeah, I think that when you're at the smaller level, um, the, the talent is spread out. So I think that anything can happen um, at the smaller schools. Um, because again, I don't think they. I don't even think they get scholarships at the smaller schools. To be honest with you. Um, because when you look at a Rust College, I mean Rust, that some in some um, areas could be considered Division Three, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um right. So yeah, you know you don't get the you don't get the athletes that you may get at the larger schools. So I think when you have something like that going on, um, with the talent spread out, it's it's more um, what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's evenly balanced. So almost anything can happen. Right. Um, and I have to have to say this, I was looking, um and I saw where uh, one of the scores for one of the baseball games, um, was with Jackson State and Alcorn State was it thirty to six? Wow. And not completed this series <laughs> Yeah, that was those <laughs> I mean, that's some it's a baseball. football score. <laughs> I mean Yeah, but that's some baseball going on there. Um you know, and then again if i if I can l a um I always like to come across and let people know that, um like somewhere like bluefield State, people will say bluefield state, yes, bluefield state is a h b c u and has good baseball uh on a regular basis and I have to give kudos and credit to black college Nines. you and I both know who they are uh they cover right, HBCU Colby, baseball. Those guys. yes and j so right. they cover they cover it yeah. intently um anything you need to know about Black College Baseball, you go to the Black College Nines uh, and you get all, all the information
1: you need. Yeah, and I was going to mention big ups, the, the, the top 10s that I mentioned and the votes that we get are on blackcollege9.com, mm-hmm. blackcollege9.com, Jay Sokol, uh, Michael Kroker, and and, and and the crew doing their thing and, and uh, educating me on the game that I love, uh, didn't play it at an HBCU <laughs> level, but, but certainly the game um, that I love. I want to switch gears uh, quickly to you, Trevin, and, and mm-hmm. talk about South Carolina mm-hmm. State not renewing uh, the contract of, um, of uh, 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 Garland, uh, M- Murray Garland. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, statistically people are not surprised. I mean, you know, under 500, uh as a coach, but he's he been there. He has some tenure there. Nine or eleven seasons, I think he was um, the the head coach, but struggle. Uh Have you heard any thing about replacements? And then, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's almost it's it's kind of a a double edged sword because if they had let him go early, you know, if he had struggled in the first years, I know in twenty sixteen fifteen sixteen mm-hmm. they they did really well. But if they had let him go years ago before some of us might have been saying they didn't give him a chance, but they did give him 11 years, nine of which he mm-hmm. said coach, and, and then finally made the move. Your thoughts here, and have you heard anything in, in terms of that move?
6: I haven't heard anything. Um, I don't know any details about the move, to be totally honest with you. But even when it comes to coaches um, at the HBCU level, um, I always like the fact that they get it in. They get the experience in um, and with the experience I'm talking about just think of all the men that they, they mentor. Um, that come past them or get the experience of, of playing under that coach. Um, and I know he's a great coach. I mean he's a very good coach and we all know him and he's he has a great reputation amongst the HBCU ranks. Um, I don't know what South Carolina State is doing, to be honest with you. Um, but at the same time I guess they just decided it was time. Um but, again, like I said, I always admire the fact that the coach is getting in. And I always think about, and I don't know if everybody thinks about this, but think about him being the great man that he is and the coach that he is, how he was able to shape and mold his players and get them ready for maybe things outside of baseball, if they didn't go to the next level. right? Um, so, I mean, and you I, that's what I like about HBCUs and HBCU experience, is you get that, that close-knit bond. And you get to, the coaches take an interest in you to develop you as a as a man or a woman so that once your playing days are over, whether they be at the college level or at the professional level, you're ready to um, take on the world, so to speak.
1: You know, I want to go to the uh, NCAA. Uh, and oh, don't do it. You know, I we want to already... Understand. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I mean you know, we we know with with Norfolk State there was mm-hmm. Texas Southern and all that, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I want to touch on uh, something that's a you know really a thorn in my side for a long mm-hmm. time, which mm-hmm. is these um, they're putting these HBCU uh, teams in positions to do playing games or they play mm-hmm. the top number one seed and they're the 16th mm-hmm. seed. Um, right. And it's almost like they say, well, you Negro schools, we'll let you in, but guess what? We're going to mm-hmm. make sure you get right out. Or if it, So it won't be an upset. You won't beat Duke, mm-hmm. who, by the way, didn't even get in this year. Um, right. But we're going to make it even worse. We're going to make a Prairie View play a Norfolk State or whatever so we can knock mm-hmm. the Negro schools out. And then they beat mm-hmm. each other up only to play, you know, Carolina and get beat soundly mm-hmm. in, that, in that official first round. Talk about that. There's no respect. Uh, we've seen uh, a Norfolk State, you know, win their, mm-hmm. their conference, win their conference mm-hmm. tournament, have a great mm-hmm. year. Even in past seasons, no losses, one loss. And then they're in the 16th right. seed. You go to the Patriot League. And these teams not only have upsets, but even if they don't have upsets, their top schools, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm just mentioning the Patriot League. I'm not picking on them, they may have mm-hmm. five losses as a top seed, mm-hmm. and they'll be like mm-hmm. a number 11 seed. So talk about they the happen. hypocrisy and, and this, this um, double standard and in, in the way that they look at HBCUs. I don't know if there's a lack of respect, or 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 fear or both when they put them at sixteen.
6: It's a lack of respect. Um, I'm not going to go the black-white route. I won't do that because um, I think that that's given an excuse, um, given a, a, a way out, or you know, just I, I, I'm not going to go that way. What I'm what I am going to say is this: um, it is a lack of disrespect. It is a lack of respect. That every time a MEAC school or or a SWAC school, uh, take Texas Southern. Texas Southern did some damage in the tournament and can do damage. Um, and when you have coach, kudos to Coach Jones right now, and then kudos to uh, Coach Jones from Norfolk State as well. <laughs> um, it 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 just makes me mad that they have to play in the play in games. Um, there's always a spot in the play-in game for the, an HBCU for the MiAC or the SWAC because they get the automatic bid. Um, but their automatic bid is the play-in game. Um, their automatic bid, as you stated, is not into the tournament um, as far as the men is concerned. Now, the women, um, North Carolina a who just won the tournament by two points over Howard last weekend, um, they're in the tournament as a 16 seed against North Carolina State, who's the number one seed. Um, and then I think you have Jackson State, who's in the tournament as well. Um, now, right. m- I'm really upset. Like that, I, 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 but Jackson State has to play Baylor, who's the number two seed. I'm not mad at that, L.A., to be honest with you. I'd rather have it that way as opposed to the way the men do it. Because the way the men do it, you have to play, even after your season, you have to play to prove that you deserve to be in the tournament when you're in the playing game. You've already proven that. Norfolk State had a great season. Kudos, I have to shout out North Carolina A&T, whose season was ended because of COVID, so they didn't really finish the MEAC right. tournament, um, so they're postseason. Um, I think they have could have done damage as well. And remember, earlier this year, you and I talked about Morgan State, because that's who Norfolk State had to beat to win the, the MEAC title. Um, right. And then Morgan State actually knocked off Coppin State, who has the two brothers up there who were just doing great, who were doing damage all season long. Uh, so I don't mean to get too far off the subject. I'm thinking about these, these games and these players as we're talking um, and getting excited. But I think this year, LA, the thing that bothers me most—again, I, I agree with you—we shouldn't have to play in the playing games every year, um, and that's on the men's side. The women's side—they're in the tournament; they're just a 16 seed or a 15 seed. In the WNIT, there are teams in there with losing records. And Howard University finished with a 15-4 and four record, had the player of the year in the MEAC, the coach of the year in the MEAC, and the freshman in the year, of, of the year in the MEAC, Ozene Hutton, Jayla Thornton, uh, who was the senior, was the player of the year, and then coach Ty Grace, who was the, the coach of the year. They didn't even get a bid to the WNIT, and there's some teams in the wow. WNIT who have losing records. Howard University finished 15-4. and four. They lost the MEAC championship game by two points to North Carolina A&T. Not saying that North Carolina A&T didn't deserve to be in a the tournament. They did. They won the MEAC championship. But you mean to tell me if you finish 15-4 and four in a COVID-ridden season that you can't get a bid to the WNIT? Now, this is what, why I said I'm already upset. This is a COVID-ridden season. You have some teams that played 25 games. You have some teams that played 14 games. You have some teams that played 10 games, 12 games. And You mean to tell me that HBCUs can get more respect than they did this year? This would have been the year that they would have got the ultimate respect, I believe, because you have teams that have new finished-out seasons. So they still can't get the respect and kudos to Stillman by the way Stillman lost earlier today in the round of sixteen um in the n a i a uh championships um I think they were the last small school playing um to this point. Uh, I think they finished their year like seventeen and four uh so coach tesley uh co- kudos to uh, Stillman college go ahead, Dolly. you still there?
1: Yeah, and I apologize for that, Trevin. Um, my okay. question to you is that you know we you you said it like you got the uh, uh, schools that are with losing records that are in these these tournaments, and you have a Howard mm-hmm. that's eleven games over five hundred in the COVID season, and they don't get invited. I I, I respectfully saying it's not black or white, but I mean, if it walks like a duck and acts like a duck, it ain't a dog. I mean, we see this at every single level, and I don't Mm -hmm. understand where it's going to end. Yeah, I I think that um, as we learn, as as
6: mindsets change, um, I'm not on, of course, you you nor I or any other committees that select the teams to be in the tournaments. Um, but I think it's more exposure to these teams that they, they get to see who they're playing and see the competition, the level of competition. Because you and I both know, going back in the day, if you want to go back, if you look at the CIAA tournament, if you look at the MIAC tournament, basketball tournaments, those are big-time events. Um, so usually the winners of those tournaments, I mean, they've gone through a tough, regular season, they're going through a, 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 an exceptional tournament, um, and I think that it's just a lack of respect and a lack of knowledge or a lack of even coverage, um, so that when it comes to the big dance, um, these teams will be invited. But the, the NIT, the WNIT, um, there's no HBCUs in in the WNIT, none.
1: Yeah. So well, that's I, where that's I, really Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been going on. It, it do you think it's any kind of what would be the solution? I know I got my next guest on the on the line, but what would be sort of a, a solution to this because um it's to me, again, it's a lack of respect and it goes down racial lines. There's no other conferences um that have to prove themselves like Swat Miac. SIAC, CIAA, and the Independents yeah, right. that play in these other conferences and then um, you you see the fact that it, w- when you, you look at it, and again, I'm not picking on the Patriot League or anything, but they'll take a a, a team with a 12-13 uh, record from a PWI but uh, Howard is 15-4 and four. Norfolk State mm-hmm. won Morgan State was good Jackson State mm-hmm. women won. They look dominant. Mm-hmm. They're playing, but they, mm-hmm. they're playing Baylor. You got, you got A&T women playing against not just the number one, but I believe the number one overall, overall in, seat, in the women's right.
6: tournament. North Carolina State. <laughs> so, I
1: mean, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's right there. It's right in our face. So what do we do? How do we combat it? What, what needs to, to change to, to make a change? for the respect of of the HBCUs to, to get at this point?
6: This is coverage, and I think they have to demand it. I think the net rating for Howard University was 61. I'm talking about the women, uh, which was better than a lot of teams in that WNIT tournament. That's another reason why I was upset about that, um, them not being, you know, given a, at least an at-large bid or, or, or an invitation uh, to the WNIT. I think to answer your question directly and to keep it brief, Exposure Um, The black medium or uh, all mediums covering the HBCU sports, um, getting it out there so those people on the committees can see these teams and and not just by looking at the stats. They actually will see the actual players playing.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree, and and we do have to do a better job in making sure we we get that information um, out there uh for our players uh we talked about blackhouse nine dot com please do uh promote uh urban media and and um uh urban media today and of course uh urban um media radio as well sir okay.
6: Yes, sir. By all means, um, you can check us out at UrbanMediaToday.com. Um, listen to the station. It's 24-7 radio station, uh, Urban Media Today Sports as well. Also, check out the HBCU Pro Sports Media Association, uh, which you are very well aware of, L.A. Um, that is coming soon, and, and, and when you see that coming your way, definitely check that out. It's just uh, it's big things about to happen in 2021 for the Black Media.
1: Well, I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of it. I'm so uh, humbled For you guys to let me be a part of it And and I'm just uh, I, I'm just Happy to, to, to be in your realm Sir I appreciate you and respect you We'll get you on again I'll talk with you uh, After I'm Exasperated on Monday I'll talk with <laughs> you right. uh, okay. On the air Trevor appreciate you bro I
6: appreciate you always Thank you it's an honor always to be on your show
1: Thanks, man. Trevor Jones, of course, he's sports director of UrbanMediaToday.com, co-owner and producer of Urban Media Today Radio, right here on the Bassin News Radio Show on the Bassin News Radio ne- Network and WCOM in Chapel Hill, our super- sister station. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm.
7: It's much more than a wine store It's the 8th wonder of the world
8: When people talk about Total Wine and more They get a little carried away We're just a big friendly place run by people With a passion for wine, beer and spirits
7: 8,000 different wines 2,500 different beers 3,000 spirits And friendly helpful experts at every turn
8: You know what? Maybe we are the 8th wonder of the world Shop
0: in store or online at TotalWine.com Blog Talk Radio
4: Have you seen that new plastic coffee container? Did you know it actually absorbs aroma from the coffee? At Maxwell House, we think the aroma should stay where it belongs. In the coffee, not the container. Our steel can won't absorb our rich coffee aroma. And unlike plastic, it's a perfect barrier against coffee's worst enemies, moisture and oxygen. So choose Maxwell House with the fresh steel can and make every day good to the last drop.
1: Welcome back to the show. It's the Bachelor News Radio show on WCOM in uh, Chapel Hill and carlborough our affiliate there, and the Bachelor News Radio Network. If you miss any part of our broadcast, make sure you go to thebachelornewsradionetwork dot Bachelor with a T, thebachelornewsradionetwork dot com, and uh, check out our page. Check out all of our information, music, reports everything else. That we have going there. Follow us on uh, Facebook at Pad Nation and Pat Nation Two at Twitter. Bring in my next guest. He is of Anastas Media, play-by-play voice of UMass Lowell in this good state of Massachusetts. Always good to have Nick Anastas. Had to put some Buster rhyme on you for you, uh, Nick, in the background. Do something different. You know, a little Buster Rhymes for you I know you know Buster <laughs> <I see, see. laughs> yeah. uh, Buster's a good dude To uh, have a chance to meet him a few times And introduce some of his co- concerts In my in my Walk of life um, Nick, I wanted to uh, b- Bring in uh, b- Bring up uh, NFL Free Agency first I know T-Max on the line Um It are you surprised with it, this Sean Watson thing? I, I really look at Houston Texans and that franchise as being very dysfunctional. Um, you had a, a, a coach that let arguably, if not the best wide receiver, but the top three wide receivers go for a bag of pork rinds, right? And you, you had that situation you had J.D. Watt in that situation. Now you got Deshaun Watson, who are, I mean, really, Let if you're running for your life, if you got no offensive line, a mediocre defense, barely a running game, I would want out too. And then these allegations come out. I'm not saying these people, these women are lying. I just know, and big up some Mike Patton to give me some some information on the story about the lawyer who's connected to the ownership of the Texans. It just seems kinda of weird. So my question, at least starting there with Deshaun, whether the allegations are true or false, is this out there to stop anybody wanting to pick him up in a trade and and keep him there, you think? I mean we don't know for sure, but in your opinion.
9: Boy, that would be some diabolical stuff, wouldn't it? That'd be some evil stuff.
3: But I don't know. I'm
0: mean, to see
9: more on that. Uh, it does seem like a coincidence, doesn't it? To your point about the, uh, about the ownership ties. I mean, your theory makes sense. Uh, um, it makes sense, but, but it's true. I mean, that's, that's pretty low for whoever is out that, that scheme. Um, uh, But but I don't know. I mean, I think this thing goes over. I don't think the NFL, you know, barely anything happens from here on out. If some some new allegation pops up, or if some more information, more evidence comes out. But but if this thing stays as a he said she said thing the way it is now, I think this thing exits the radar screen sooner rather than later, and and we move on. I don't know. That that looks like it's a divorce waiting to happen one way or the other. I I think the Texans are just kind of measuring in light of the mistakes they've made like you just mentioned uh with the previous two uh situations with Hopkins and JJ J. Watt. They don't want to get you know made fools of again in, in you know this time with, with him. I think it is a divorce waiting to happen but but at the same time Houston's not going to sell him for $0.10 cents on the dollar, so to speak. They're going to want uh, probably too much in return. I mean, what are the reports been? Uh, two or three first-rounders? Um, you know, at this stage in the game, I don't think they're going to find a suitor for that kind of an asking price. So your guess is kind of about the, you know, the allegations and what's behind it and, you know, frankly, what happens moving forward, I don't know. But it, it's not really a good look for anybody down there. Either
5: way, right now. Well, it
1: must be a Houston thing because we saw what happened with James Harden. That was a divorce waiting to happen. That turned out to be kind of messy. Of course, he moved on uh, to Brooklyn. Right. But uh, it, just to stay with J.J. Watt um, moving on to Arizona, which caught a few people by surprise. We're talking about the Bills and all these different teams. Um, goes to Arizona to an a, a Arizona defense that got a little banged up. They lost some of their key players on defense. Um, and, you know, a quarterback that has some growing pains and, 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 you know, they obviously didn't make the playoffs. What does he do? I know T and I, Tony and I were talking about him. Maybe, you know, that, 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 uh, contract he signed. is So it's gotta be a lot of bonus and incentives in there to stay on the field, something he hasn't done in the last few years. So, what does him going there do for Arizona?
9: I think Arizona is counting on Chandler Jones to be healthy and play 16 games. That was their biggest problem, I think. Jones, his sack numbers were down. He played the first eight games, got hurt at the midway point, and that's coincidentally when the Cardinals began to lose. Uh, even though the sack numbers didn't show up, he was still in there with a lot of pressures and hurries, et cetera. So there, I think they're counting on Chandler Jones coming back to 2019 form, where he had, I think, 19 sacks and led the league. You throw him on one edge and J.J. on the other, that's as good as a healthy one-two punch as there is in the league. So I think from a you know front seven standpoint, a rushing the passer standpoint, that signing probably made a lot of sense to the team, obviously, and, and probably made a lot of sense. The JJ as well, but a lot hinges, I think, on not only the uh the health of JJ Watt, but on the health of Chandler Jones as well.
1: Yeah, and that that's one of the guys that they lost, you're right. I mean, uh the year before he was he was just tenacious. Um and uh, you know, obviously saw him in, in New England and, and the way he played. Speaking speaking of which, um, uh, you have a Patriots team who had a lot of money in cap space. Uh, certainly have draft picks. We've already saw them uh, bring in two tight ends. Uh, I think a fullback. They brought in a wide receiver. They, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they're looking at Will Fuller um, and some other guys. They bring that Cam. They, they're talking about a, a quarterback. They're all over the map. Is this is, – this doesn't seem like Belichick a little bit. It's almost like Belichick's like, okay, yeah – we struggle. Oh, yeah, Brady won another title. So, we, uh, we, we're just going to hit this thing hard, um, not just through free agency, but even in the draft. What do you think of their moves so far in the offseason? What do you think, how aggressive they're going to be in the draft? I think you
9: summed it up as well as anybody up here with what you just said. Uh, in terms of, I think, there's, there's kind of a renewed fire after a 7-9 and nine season, the first one you know, in 20 years. Um, you know, a lot of ways it was predictable because of the cap space, the cap situation, as you said, a lot of money to play with. And it comes at the right time, frankly, to an aging roster that really got exposed last year for a number of reasons. The defense didn't perform as expected. Um, you know, the offense obviously didn't perform nearly as, uh, as expected. And, you know, everybody loves to point the finger at Cam up here. Um, but, but, frankly, that, that re-signing, I think, does make a lot of sense. Give him a second year.
8: Uh, frankly,
9: th- there was no real better option, I don't think, out there. There was a lot of talk about Jimmy G, but that contract is too much. Um, the Patriots would have to, I, I believe, eat some of that. So I don't think that was ever really going to happen. Uh, people were talking and, and about... And
1: I'm sorry too, and I think Shanahan said, you know, we're gonna we we want to stay with this guy, so they weren't gonna trade him anyway, right?
9: Right, exactly. So that that kind of fell apart before it had any kind of wings whatsoever. But I, I think the bottom line was, look, you know, Cam, we threw a lot at him. No preseason. It was a late signing. Um, year two might make a difference, you know, in the system working with McDaniel's. Um, et cetera, and you can, again, get him for relatively cheap. So I, I think that made a lot of sense. They don't eat up a lot of cap, and they're free to go nuts elsewhere. Uh, they brought in two receivers already, uh, not counting Will Fuller, in Nelson Aguilar uh, and Kendrick Bourne from the Niners. Now, Aguilar had some right. solid production, as we saw, with, with Philly and uh, was pretty decent last year with the Raiders. Uh, and Bourne is kind of an athlete. You know, he can move around. He can play the slot. He can play the outside. So I think he's a versatile player, which which fits the mold up here. Um, and then, you know, some of these guys come back, you know, like Ted Karras, back in the middle, should be a plug-and-play at center. Um, and who's the other one that just got today? Uh, the linebacker, Van Noy, who was down in Miami. Right. So that's a coming-home party. Um, then again – You know, uh, the two-tight end thing is very interesting. Hunter Henry, Henry, uh, another guy who has struggled to stay healthy, but when is healthy, is a red zone threat, a touchdown machine, still on the right side of 30. And Johnny Smith had a borderline breakout year last year with Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if he's worth four years, 50 million. But, you know, again, I think the the market's a little saturated. If you got a a few extra dollars – you know, go ahead. Uh, Henry uh, Anderson should, should solidify at least a little bit. He's a solid player up front on the front seven. He can play the D tackle and the D end. Uh, was, was steady for the Jets. Um, Matt Judon comes from a winning program, obviously, with Baltimore. Uh, we'll see about Jalen Mills. And um, Nick Folk, I guess, is a good re-sign for them. He was one of the actual highlights last year at the kicker spot, I thought. Oh, and Trent Brown as well. Remember the Niners uh, and the Raiders, I think, both uh, spent money on him in the past. Uh, He got his feet wet up here originally. He comes back uh, via trade with the Raiders. So they've been busy. They needed a a facelift, so to speak, on a number of areas. Uh, It seems like they've got it. And then, obviously, the traditional path uh, to getting better and refueling the machine is the draft, and that's coming up next month. So I think so far
1: real so quick, good. Quick. Yep. Uh, real real quick before I go to Tony, what what do you see them where do you see them going first in the draft and do you see them, you know, I, I know they they're in a good uh good position obviously but maybe trading down, getting more draft picks cuz he's been known to do that. Um uh, but where right. do you see them going initially in a draft in terms of position?
9: tough to say because uh, they're usually at the end of the first round as opposed to the middle. The middle is the spot obviously no one wants to be in because there's not a lot of whole value there as opposed to the early rounds or the late you can trade back. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Typically if Belichick sees somebody he likes, he'll hold it. Uh, if the program picks somebody that, that they really think is a good fit and can contribute right away, they'll go ahead and pull the trigger regardless of what you know the analysts are, are predicting. Uh, if, if that guy or, or a couple guys are gone, then they traditionally trade back. So they've got a bunch of picks, as usual. Um, you know, that that second scenario of them trading back wouldn't wouldn't surprise me uh, because it seems like, well, as you said, the name of the game for Belichick is the amount of picks as opposed to how early they are on the
3: draft.
1: Yeah, and I think the pressure of uh, this whole discussion last year and then with uh... – Tom terrific winning that, you know, he mortgaged the farm and didn't really do a, go- a good job lately in the draft. So I, I think all eyes are going to be on, you know, what he does and, and how he does and who he picks in the draft is going to be interesting to see. Talking with uh, Nick Anastas, of course, Anastas Media here on the Boston News Radio Show and the Boston News Radio Network, 646 the number to get in touch with us. Um, you can hit us up with questions in the chat room online on Facebook at Pad Nation and Pad Nation to at Twitter. With that I bring in my longtime friend and colleague uh from BASN newsroom, editor in chief Tony T Mac McClane. Hey
8: guy, hey uh, Nick. Um, I think you might have answered it already, but could you see them could you see the Patriots training up to try to get uh a quarterback?
5: Oh,
9: that would be something. I, I'd say it's possible. I don't, I don't know how likely it is. I think because, again, the, the, the plan right now is, is Cam. Now, who knows? If, if the right trading option comes open, Belichick's as open-minded as anybody. They do, I think, uh, eventually need to fill that because I, I think more and more the consensus is that Jarrett Stidham is not the answer. Uh, Otherwise, he would have gotten an extended look at the end of last year. Um, So, Stim's the backup for now. I don't think that's the plan moving forward. So, you're right. So, you know, the the scenario would have to be perfect because I don't think they're going to give up uh, a whole lot. I I don't see them giving up multiple picks in the mid-rounds. It's just not uh, traditionally how Belichick rolls. Uh, But there's always an exception to the rule. It has happened before, I'm sure. Um, if, if the right partner comes with the right price, I could see it. Otherwise, I, I think they either stand back, uh, stand pat, or, or trade back.
8: Mm-hmm. And just one last one. Uh, so now the NFL is surprise, surprise. They've uh, insured their TV for the next thirteen, you know, or so years now with the with the big contract. The the um, kind of surprised to see that they're going to let Monday Night Football uh, flex. Uh, does that sort of save the Monday Night franchise to a certain extent, now that they're going to be able to flex much like uh, Sunday Night Football?
3: Yeah,
9: I, I, I think that's the thinking. That's the thinking. Um, I'm not sure if, if the Monday Night problem is, is as much to do with the matchup, or if it's been the broadcast team.
3: Mm -hmm.
8: because
9: for whatever reason, that Monday night, uh, traditionally, you had the same crew year in and year out. They developed a rapport not only with themselves, but I think with the audience as well. Uh, For years, obviously, it was Howard Cassell, and then for years after that, it was Al Michaels. Then they bring in Madden for a minute. Uh, You had the top-tier talent in the industry, and Monday night, I think, felt special, at least in part, because Mm -hmm. of that. Now, obviously, the matchup is, is the primary factor. And I think this will help um, in that regard. But, but you know, the last four or five years, they've rotated color guys. They've brought in different play-by-play guys. Um, the fact that it's on ESPN and not ABC I don't think is a good thing. Um, you know, so, so so there's a number of things, I think, working against it. This may, um, by by at least giving us some – Better matchups later in the year help to revive the ratings uh, at least a little bit. I think. All right,
1: thanks. Uh, you know, Nick, when you you um, look at a, a couple of signs, before I, I quickly go to the NBA, before I let you go, um, it, it's it's been a very interesting uh, off season with trades and free agency thus far. To me, the most intriguing one right now, just to touch on, we know that uh, Carson Wentz went to the Colts, but um, Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff just swapping. First of all, Goff just fell off the radar and fell out of favor there with their coach. Um, but are the Rams looking at Matthew Stafford like they look at Brady? Because Matthew Stafford and Um, Well, let me put it this way Brady was the dink and dunk And I didn't think it would fit In Tampa I still think their defense And and they made changes And teams didn't adjust um, But I'll give them credit for for winning But you bring in a dink and dunk uh, Quarterback with Vertical fast wide receivers Now In In this system of the Rams, you got a Matthew Stafford guy who likes to go deep, but they play intermediate type basketball, football, and run the ball and do a lot of those little roll to the tight right. end stuff. How do you think that's going to work, and how does golf going to work? And I know he's like, "Well, I'm going to Detroit, gonna gonna work in Detroit." That was a where it's it's an interesting swap right there with quarterbacks. It is,
9: but I think Stafford is experienced enough to adjust his game. I think he's seen pretty much it all over the last decade. He's been on good teams. He's been on bad teams. Uh, he's had a running game behind him at times. He's had none. He's had weapons on the outside sometimes. I mean, he's been in every position. You know, he has had a multiple uh, carousel of coaches, you know, he's, and he's always produced and more or less stayed healthy with the exception of his last year. So I I think he's savvy enough. I think he's still in that area of his career where he's got some physical ability, but at the same time, he's, what, 32, 33? So maybe that's starting to creep in a little bit, Um, which is fine because you don't have to rely on that cannon of an arm as much anymore in that kind of a Ram system. So I I think it's a good fit. Uh, I I think he's a high IQ quarterback. Um, This is probably the best – uh, set of weapons so to speak That he's had uh, Although he's played with some good receivers in Detroit uh, Never this kind of a dynamic Run game the tight end situation As you mentioned I, I think they could do some things um, You know with, with Matthew Stafford We'll see about golf. it seems like Detroit is on fire uh, the, the, You know I, I don't know who would want To play for them at this point They may go 0-16 again uh, We'll see maybe I'm wrong I hope I'm wrong I kind of like the Lions but uh, I just don't know what they're trying to do at this point. And, uh, and it looks like it's setting up to be a tough year.
1: Yeah. What about Carson Wentz and, and with the Colts? Uh, we talked about him. Nobody thought. I kept saying, listen, they got rid of the Colts. But, you know, I, I just didn't think that he lived up to the potential. We'll see. Um, with the Colts, uh, certainly, He's he's going to another team with a with a, a solid defense, you know, and and yep. so that that helps. But I, I just, you know, where's the is the pressure more on Wentz or the Colts making this move? It's on both.
9: Uh, the difference is if the move doesn't work, the Colts live to play another day, and Carson Wentz probably doesn't. At least not as a starter. This is Wentz's last chance. Um, you know, and, and he may rebound. He's got the physical tools. He had a bad stretch, uh, but he has had some good seasons. You know, he was MVP again it's not too long, ago, And he's still relatively young or whatever, entering his prime. So if he does come back uh, with a balanced team around him, balanced one game, good old line a top 10 O-line, in my opinion, uh, and you mentioned that defense, uh, I, I think he, you know, the ingredients the Colts have put around him, really, there's no excuses at this point. This is his his last chance. Um, and I think, you know, from a financial standpoint, it worked out for the Colts because Rivers conveniently steps aside and retires. And you can just, you know, use that money to take care of the uh, the Wentz situation, which is essentially what happened in that deal. So the timing was right uh, for Wentz. You can't ask for a much better landing spot for a second chance at a final stand, I think, as a starter.
1: Yeah. Uh, and of course um, with Drew Brees gone, it, it's, you know, that's, that's too, uh, I, I was hoping that the Roethlisberger go, but you know, anyway, that's another story for another day. Um, uh, A few, a few I want to, a few I want to throw at you and, and, and and what's the most intriguing and what's, what's the, uh, uh, the biggest upside of these teams. I mentioned, um, I think Will we'll, we'll Fuller Will Fuller went to the Dolphins. Um, uh, I think a one year deal. Mitch Trubisky. I I didn't think the Bears going to to let him go, which makes me feel like they they want to go after a Russell Wilson. But I don't think that's going to happen. He he'll back up okay, Josh you know, Allen, you know, Kyle you know, Rudolph. You
8: know that they signed, you know that they signed uh, Andy Dalton, right?
1: Who the Bears? Bears. the Bears. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Well good yeah, luck exactly. with that. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What in the world are they doing? But uh he's gonna back up Josh Allen. Kyle Rudolph, who I was hoping the Steelers would try to get, um, went to the Giants. Kendon Drake went to um to the Raiders. The Raiders are making a lot of moves, um, uh, as you've seen. And then Jared Cook I thought was a underrated tight end. He he gets a one year deal leaving uh, the Saints, to, to join the Chargers. Who who in that group do you think is going to make a, a bigger impact?
9: Oh, boy. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Raiders for a minute. Uh, you know, John Gruden is the front man, but Mike Mayock is the guy behind the scenes. Right. And Mike, and Mike Mayock uh, oftentimes does not get enough credit. I think this is a great move. It's a compliment to the young cruising back they've got there in Josh Jacobs. Uh, Drake now, you can focus more on third down duties, pass catching duties. He's dangerous in space, dangerous out of the backfield. He's good in the flat. So that's, that's the ideal running game. Have a big kind of goal line between the tackles type back, young, which they have in uh, Jacobs, and then bring in a, a savvy uh, dynamic. Little smaller third down guy in the pass game, so you know I, I think it makes sense that uh, you know David Carr continues to be solid but not outstanding, uh, good enough to keep you close, good enough to win a, sh- a fair share of games. Um, but 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 this this definitely takes some weight off his shoulders if this plays out the way that they hope it will.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to build on defense. They get they get some help on uh the pass rush um uh from Baltimore so I think that, that um helps them as well. Uh quickly to, to the NBA, uh you look at the Eastern Conference and it's been about Philly and Brooklyn for the most part and as we sit here now, uh they, they, they have the they both have the best record with Milwaukee right behind. The heat finally is coming up. Charles is playing better but th- that 5 to really uh 9 spot is within a couple of games that would be the Hornets, Hawks, Celtics, Knicks and the Bulls. They're all around 20 wins and you know 18 19 losses. What's been the the this, the difference with Boston? I I've seen sort of a decline in in their play from, say, the half of last year going into the first 40 games of this year. We know what they can do offensively. It just doesn't seem to be the cohesiveness, especially on the defensive end, uh, with this team so far. And they're sitting at seven, and they should make the playoffs because, I mean, you've got, you know, 10 games, 10 teams within that. But what's been the issue with the Celtics?
9: Inconsistency in a number of areas, including on defense, uh, it was really noticeable and exasperated when Marcus Smart went down.
8: Um,
4: they'll have
9: nights where they rotate well, where they rebound well, where they challenge well, and they'll hold teams down. In, in usually, and usually, that's usually at home, and, and that's enough to get it done. And then other nights they're involved in shootouts, you know, jacking up quick shots. Everybody's getting points but at the same time. Uh, they're giving up just as many. So it's been inconsistent night and day, depending on the game, I think, on defense. Uh, Meanwhile, on the offensive side, they're not doing enough uh, well. It's that simple. Uh, They're in the bottom half of the league in points per game, rebounds per game, free throw percentage, assists per game, and they're in the bottom five. They're not moving the ball very well. Uh, In a lot of ways, there's been some bright spots. You know, the kid from Oregon has played well at the guard spot. Um, and obviously the two All-Stars have been getting their numbers. Um, you know, Kemba, we'll see. I still think he's trying to figure out exactly how good he... You know, I think he's trying kind to of figure out a few things. One, how healthy can he get? Two, how good can he still be? And three, most importantly, what's his role in the offense? I think that was exposed right. in the Miami series last year, where he looked kind of hesitant. Uh, you know, two, three minutes would go by where he, he doesn't touch the ball, and, and then all of a sudden he's back in a 16-footer with somebody in his face. You know, just, just, just kind of playing out of rhythm. Um, this, this team just needs to play together, and they need to play uh, more consistent basketball on both ends of the floor. I, I know that's probably a simple answer, but at the end of the day, they're just underperforming, and the record shows it.
1: Yeah, and then I just think with Kemba, I, it, you're right. I don't think he ever – he never really kind of got in the rhythm with Boston so far. He's just not – he's not that Kemba right. we saw, you know, in Charlotte. And even the, I mean, UConn, Charlotte, it just doesn't seem like he feels comfortable. He doesn't look comfortable with Boston. Right. And I know he's got some criticism, but, I mean, it's it, you, it's just evident. Like, he just – doesn't seem like that you know that he's really comfortable with with this team moving forward what do you see in terms of uh upgrading the roster um and any pressure on the coach to 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 get them to you know if nothing else again the Eastern Conference five finals and somehow the NBA finals
9: I don't know, uh, frankly. I mean, they don't typically make midseason moves. Ainge usually stays uh, stays past. There'll be plenty of rumors flying around. There always are. Uh, but usually if Ainge does make a move, it's, it's on the lower half of the of the roster, usually on the bench, a seventh or eighth guy in the rotation. So I wouldn't speak any help at midseason. What I would rely on is, again, guys stepping up, playing better, especially in the fourth quarter. They've let some of these games slip there.
3: Uh, closing
9: teams out you know. And Kemba,
2: by the way it, It's not like since
9: he's been uncomfortable It's just been kind of a regression this year I mean, we've seen him right. click with his team We've seen him play in transition We've seen him, you know, step into shots In rhythm in the offense uh, It's not that he can't It's just that he's not right now So I think you hope for a number of things To kind of come together Over the last six weeks or so of the season In time for the playoffs
3: I just think,
1: too, with Boston, they're a transition rhythm team. They like to get out. They they want to play good defense. Then they want to get their stars on the wing and, and on, on the perimeter and make shots and transition. I don't think that's going on. Like you said, offensively, they just don't – they're not getting it done because they're not getting it done defensively. So that's been the issue with them. Mm-hmm. Nick, as always, sir, I appreciate you, man. Be well. Be safe. I'll talk with you next week, man, and uh, thank you so much.
9: Thank you. Sounds good.
1: Thanks, Nick. Nick Anastas. He is a uh, host. Uh, he's uh, from Anastas Media, and of course, he's a play-by-play voice for UMass Lois, Sebastian News Radio show.
6: You might know me. I'm Fifty Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are fewer than six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
1: back to the show. Thanks to all of our guests. We appreciate everybody to check and don't forget if you miss any part of the broadcast, you can go to our website, uh the Basting News Radio show, the Baster News Radio Network dot com, the ready the Backstreet News Radio Network dot com. For all of our interviews and all the shows that we do, I want to bring Tony T Mac playing back in the fold and T two weeks away from opening day. Um, a lot of rumors going around in terms of who, there any um, last minute moves, roster moves, trade moves. Um, I know you you don't, or you said you haven't um, watched a lot of baseball, um, but when you look at go going down, and 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 some of these other um, injuries before the season starts. Who might have some issues starting off the season based on injuries and based on roster? Well Carrasco and Lugo makes
8: go as so so that that's that's a little bit of that's a red flag right there. Um There's not really a whole lot of like uh major major stuff 'cause see again, all it takes is uh, one or two COVID tests to uh come up and 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 that and that changes that changes everything. I think most teams they'd rather get they're going to have injuries they'd rather get it out the way early so that, you know, everybody's all squared away. Uh um it's it's you know, again, it's a, a lot of it is just speculation and stuff. Like I said, I I haven't really watched enough gaming I haven't I, you know, I've been watching whatever, I haven't really been watching a, a lot of the games. i like as we get closer I may watch a little bit more. But it's you know i think I think the biggest question is going to be uh, how a lot of these pitch how they're gonna do the pitchers because everybody's going under the premise that it was like a short off season and teams that you know with you know, that went far are gonna sort of baby their pitchers but um i, I would I, I would think that. Again, I think a lot of it's going to be dictated by you know, by how people react to COVID, and also how the weather uh, plays into a part. And not just the East Coast. You know, you see down in Texas and and in some other places, they've been having lousy weather as well. So there's a there's a you know there's a lot of there's a lot of factors. It 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 you really can't gauge a lot off of spring training unless. You know, somebody comes from out of nowhere to like sort of make the team, like if, like if a hot rookie makes the team, or or or, or what have you. Um, I, I the the little bit of games that I did see, I see that um, Price uh, David Price is uh, hasn't lost a step at all, and and and, and I think that just makes the Dodgers even more of a, a, a of a of a of a favorite to possibly at the very least win the division, if not uh, repeat.
1: You know, you bring up the issue of pitching, though, with with COVID. Would it behoove teams to – and I know you really can't, per se, because you got guys that are going to be long relief and in the bullpen and stuff. But in in this COVID season, um, should teams really focus in on the back end of their starters, making sure they have solid – uh, fifth starters even a, a sixth starter. That if the fourth guy go down, then it's the next man up. Because of COVID, somebody catches it. We've seen in the NCAA and whatever Duke out and all these other schools. A uh, and T. If it happens, you got to prepare. Obviously, you got bigger rosters in baseball, and pitching is the key. Especially a team I'll get to in a second. So should they make sure that they have a game plan for a starter? To be able to fill in, at the very least, as a fifth guy, four for for fifth guy, in case that top three goes down.
8: Sadly, I think you're going to start seeing them do this whole um, opener thing, where they'll start a reliever uh, the first couple of uh, um, first couple of innings or so. I think you're going to see. Unfortunately, I think you're going to see a lot more. I I I I I don't like it myself, but. It's again part of this, you know, the anal the analytics in regards to baseball. But yeah, I I think everybody has that contingency plan anyway. Um, The difference this year is that, you know, there is a minor leagues going on this year. You know, last year guys were just sort of on hold, and and you saw teams, you know, literally and figuratively go through a fifty almost uh, almost fifty man roster uh, due to either COVID. or or just um, attrition. But, yeah, I think the contingency plans are going to be there. And you almost, you know, you almost really can't prepare for COVID in a sense. You can't really prepare until it really happens. I mean, you could, you know, let's put it this way. I would think that everybody is going to come north. It wouldn't surprise me if every team comes up north with, um, at the very least, 12, maybe 13 pitchers. Just as a you know as can now this year, with a minor leagues that's supposed to go on this year as opposed to last year when everything was cut, shut down, that's a different factor because they may be able to sort of hide a guy uh or two this year and sort of use the fact that the minor leagues are back as sort of a way to you know hide a guy and um you know maybe not have them come north, but just say, "Hey, just you know be on standby, you know in case we need you for a spot start
1: you know i i, I brought a picture because I, I i gotta uh, i gotta throw the pinstripes in there real quick only because we we talked about this this roster and this pitching staff, and it's they are gonna sink a swim. I don't care how many hitters you have, they're gonna sink a swim with this starters we we figure. It's going to be Cole and Kluber and, and Talon and Montgomery. But then you're looking at these young kids and Jermaine and Garcia and King. Uh, they've all pitched well. I've watched some games, spring Trent They all pitched well uh, this year. I know Garcia is their, one of their top prospects. But, you know, what do you think they'll do? Um, do you think they'll go maybe Cole, Kluber, Talon, and, and – and then have Montgomery, you know, as that iffy fourth starter, and then they keep these guys. They bring most of these guys to the minors. Pick one of these guys as maybe their fifth, fourth, or fifth starter. Well, you're forgetting Severino too now. Uh, well, yeah, yeah no, you have to.
8: He, he's got to factor. Hey, you got to factor him in. If you're going to factor in yeah. Hermann, you have got to factor in Severino
1: because.
8: The only thing in their mind is that he hasn't you know, it's it's a it's a um it was a suspension uh that kept him from going and you know with Severino of course it's been um injuries. But yeah, I think uh yeah, you know, Cole Kluber, uh probably Talon uh I, I I'm guessing like Talon or either uh Chase Chase Allen or the Montgomery kid. They you know they the funny thing is they have the numbers, but it's just a matter of production more than anything else. Um, I, I, I let's put it this way: up, to, you know, this is going to be one of the few times for them where the bullpen may actually have a little bit of question too, because you
1: love losing Britain. Britain with Jack Britton. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's huge. Is,
8: is, that's is, huge. It's big because that puts a little bit more on. And see, you know, they let Osvino walk. Matter right, of fact, he right. walked over to walked over to Boston.
1: But um, you know, that puts you know, a lot of pressure on Chapman to get to Chapman, and then to close the deal with Britain out. So well, you're right. Means, mm,
8: well, um, the thing also. Now, now to his credit, apparently he's developed another pitch, which makes sense because you know you can only go with number one for so long. Um,
3: Right.
8: You know, if he's able to develop, you know, something off speed or whatever, that 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 definitely helps. But yeah, let's put it you know right now. Right now, I guess overall, they probably have. The better starting pitching of the of the of the contenders, you know Toronto, after Rayoon, not really a whole lot. You know they 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 they're, they're asking a lot of their youngsters as well. So, but the thing is, they're hit. You know Toronto and the Yankees are sort of mirror images in the sense where they're all they're both going to hit the ball. It's just a matter of who's going to get better pitching, and just on the surface right now, the Yankees pitching spies a little bit better. But they could make them, you know, they could they could make um, some moves along the way. Um, the thing with them also is that they're still in flux as to where they're playing now. As of right now, they're going to be playing in Dunedin, um, in, in Florida, for the time being. It's still, you know, they they still are not, um, they're still not, they're still not uh, welcomed back home as of yet. So. That, that's another adjustment that they're going to have to make
1: as well. Yeah. We're talking baseball with Tony T. Mac McClain here on uh, the Bassin news radio show. Uh, we mentioned, um, I had mentioned uh, with Caruso, um you know, the efforts to even be, healthy the the hamstring tear, what are we hearing in terms of time timeline um and how how big is it with him being out um i guess indefinitely
8: well he was going to be one of he was at the very least was going to be the third starter uh at the at the, at the very least so it's 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 been, you know and to throw and then when you you have lugo who is still in bank Right now, I guess they're saying it's day to day. They don't want to push anything. Um, it's it's you know again, everything everything is going to be in flux right now because they haven't gone, you know they haven't um, they haven't gone north yet. And see, they also uh, Dom Smith is uh, nursing a, 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 a sore wrist, but apparently that's like day to day and everything. But um yeah it's it's if he it's just put it this way, if they have to DL him that's gonna you know, it's gonna be a little bit of a that's gonna be a little bit of a, a tough start because um it puts a little bit more pressure on guys like uh Marcus Stroman and uh and, 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 and Peterson.
1: Right. Who, who uh, they, they I guess would be, he would be the, I mean you look at the Grom and Strawman, and and, and and Walker, right? I mean it, Peterson would I guess push his way up that way, um, with with Caracol's Karat, um, status being sort of iffy. Mhm. You, you know,
8: and also if you're going on the premise that you're going to get a full season this year. Again, you know, if you're going to have the injuries, you'd rather have them early than late. I mean, you don't want to, have you know, in a perfect world you don't have any. But the fact that they're, you know, that as long as there's not season-ending, you know, if 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 it were to come out that you know Carrasco's out for the year, that's a huge blow. If it comes out that Lugo's out for the year, that's you know, and and see, they're still you know waiting on um, on. Um, Cindergaard to come back, I guess, sometime in either just before the All Star break or, or 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 what have you, as well. So it's you know it, it would on the surface I think they'll be okay. It doesn't look like it's anything threatened. It doesn't look like it's anything where they're going to have to DL him. Uh, the best thing they could do right now is just you know, let them, you know let it let it sit out for a week and let him sit it out for a week and then see where he's at um, from there. I think Lugo's probably I think Lugo's thing is a little bit more serious. Um, he probably Ooh, starts right. in
1: the DL. Right. And then, you know, when you, you look at it, because with with that, that trade from Cleveland it, it might have been it, you know uh, Carrasco was probably, I mean, as good as he, he is, it probably was the Sort of the, I don't want to say underrated, but the one that
8: people weren't was, talking about. He's definitely look. He was a throw-in, but he's a very valuable throw-in you know, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Because you know he's a, but you know not. But, but you know when he's in, if he's injured, then it's you know, it's um it 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 looks a little whatever. But look, every there isn't a there isn't there isn't a manager right now that's happy with his pitching. No, there is, a, I, I, even 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 uh, Dave Roberts. I, I don't think there's anybody that's happy with their pitching right now because of the uncertainty. You know, because of the uncertainty, and you know, with all, with, you know, because um, April is a month of attrition because routinely you get rainouts, you get cold ass weather, and you know, it's it's it's. And and I guess you can also factor in the, the the short the short season last year. And if you're a team that's made that, you know, like I guess the Dodgers in, in uh, Tampa in particular, because they were the last two teams standing, they may you know what have you. But I but I think once folks get into a you know once folks get into a group, you, all, you, you almost to a certain extent you almost have to. It's just sort of like how in the n f l the first three four weeks are a throwaway because and especially this past year because you really didn't have a camp this year there is a you know there is a traditional camp and everything, and the season was gosh' almost two weeks now i guess so, when, when when they start right it.
1: two weeks away, so
8: yeah 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 yeah, so it's it's you know it's 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 um We'll see how it plays out. I mean, it's it's again the only thing you don't want to hear right now is season ending. If it's if it's if it's just you know you know little ouches and little whatever's you know you you roll you know you just you know you roll with it because once they start using real bullets then just you, then you you, know, you take it whatever. Right now you know everybody's just um you know everybody's just you know sort of um. Just trying to just you know get a routine down more than anything else. But this is what spring training is for, you know, to get you know get all the kinks out, um, and, and 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 then and then go from there. Um, it's, I, I think because last year was such a, a sprint that you know people are sort of mentally trying to get back into their traditional mode of where it's a long long it's going to be a long long season. So we'll see. And, and again it's just and, and and again with the with the with the back lap you know, with the backdrop of COVID, that's always gonna be a factor. But it's interesting. Um State of New York has said for both um the Mets and the Yankees they can do uh twenty percent um
3: 20%. Yeah.
8: Uh, population. So that you know again, you know, I again, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you know, we'll see. A lot can – you know What's today? The uh, the eighteenth of eighteenth uh, of March, right? March.
1: Yeah. Yep. Up at 18, you know, eight, it's,
8: waking up on the uh, April eighteenth and see where, we're, see where we're at.
1: Well, it's it's funny because the NBA and the NFL, you know, is thrilling, and hockey is dramatic with their, you know, the last minute goal, and, and baseball is that grind, and it is its, it's Interesting and fun, but it's it's sort of um nerve wracking when you when you get a team that does well for three months and all of a sudden injuries happen or whatever happens and then they tank.
8: that's the nature of the beast. See you know that's why you have to take last year with a grain of salt. Again. I don't take anything away from the Dodgers winning it. It was, you know, they 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 were the, you know, at the end of the day, the and they were was very
1: good. talented. So it was, yeah, they were very talented. I mean, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, really yeah, not yeah. an asterisk yeah. with them, yeah.
8: No, no, I don't. I mean, it's it's um, it's going to be because of gypsy just because of the numbers, but it's a you know. Let's put it this way: um, if they come back and repeat. I, I think people will just be like, well, you know, hey, they, they've been the best team the last, you know, a couple. I mean, look, they're, they're still the team to beat in that division. As 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 much as San Diego has, you know, made strides, they still have to, and you know, I've said this a bunch of times already, they still have to prove they can beat the Dodgers when it counts. Everything looks good on paper. They've def- Look, when you're able to add two when you're able to add a Cy Young Award winner and a and a, and a Cy Young runner up, uh uh, uh guys that have been um uh, in the postseason, that's huge because they're still right. you know, they're still babies, you know. There's they're still relatively right. babies in this. Last year was their last year was sorta of their first you know, this was the first time for a lot of them. And now you know. Now that they've had a little taste of it, now it's just a matter of see just how how much more they're willing to get. But that's the thing with baseball; it's the grind. You know,
1: it's the grind. Right, but it's almost unfair though with the Dodgers at least bringing in the David Price who, like I saw and you saw, look like man. I'm glad to be out of there. I'm back to my old ways when I was with oh. <laughs> um, at with Tampa. You know, I look, look good. You know. but look, the thing is, they won a World Series, and they
8: basically added two Cy Young Award winners. <laughs> right, right.
3: You know, I
4: mean, now,
8: now, now does it, it get now, does it guarantee them? It doesn't guarantee them, but but look, considering usually with World Series teams, there's a little bit of a uh, uh, of a hangover, but their 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 biggest thing right now is going to be um you know we know that they made the commitment for uh for for bets and it and it played out perfectly, but Seeger's contract comes up, Bellinger's contract comes up, and you know at some point Bueller's contracts is gonna come up so right. now I mean the thing is you know they're basically coming back with the same team, but with uh, a little more strength, with, with a little more strengthened uh, starting staff. Yeah. But now it's right now, and right now it's going to be, right now the bigger question is going to be more about maintaining more than anything else. And especially, right. and, and that's added, and that's even more added because your biggest rival is is, is 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 is
1: is loading up, right? Well, it, it'd be interesting with all the teams, especially. We'll, we'll get into our picks as the the, the weeks go on. Before um, mm-hmm. the division by division, but you know they Padres and COVID to me are the ones that will stop them. I mean, you look at the the East and the Central, um, but. You know, I, I it's it, you know, it, and it's tough that to, we haven't seen a lot of repeats in baseball um, lately. But we've seen you know, you know, Boston's winning you know um, within a six-year period and stuff. So It'd be interesting. interesting. Like I said, the COVID and the and the Padres. I agree with you, boy. They're gonna be breathing right down their their uh, back, and and we'll, well
8: see. Always- this, even even without the expanded playoffs this year there's going to be there's going to be somebody that's going to upset the apple cart it's it's just a matter of, you know it's just a matter of trying to figure out um it's just a matter of figuring out who um what was good about last year is that you saw some teams um you know sort of come in a year early like you know i think like i think toronto and san diego come to mind is that you know they were probably a year ahead of schedule uh, but then you got the other segment. Cincinnati uh, put all their eggs in one basket, and now they literally and figuratively have
1: nothing to show for it. Right, right, well, and they and you know when you you look at at Cincinnati, um, and it's funny that you you brought them up. When you look at them, I I, I had a, a I was reading up on some some likely guys that could be moved. You know, in July, um, and they they brought up uh, Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. I'd oh. love to have Sonny Gray and 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 both of them, but certainly Sonny Gray and uh, and pinstripes. But do you think they they move both those guys, or either one of those guys, especially if they get off to a bad start?
3: Um,
8: I think this is Castillo's walk year anyway, so they may they may just you know what they may do is try to see if they can at least get something for him so they don't lose him completely because the draft picks you know it's not like the nfl draft picks you know you get even and especially even more so this year because the uh the draft has been cut in half now all because of the whole uh COVID thing but um probably more probably more castillo than sonny gray but again you know you guys had them before. You you
1: didn't appreciate them so yeah. right, right. But I like I I liked them when he was there. And they they dealt them, but it's, it'll be interesting. They Already lost Trevor Bauer. They already lost Iglesias. I mean, and then you lose. You know, they, you you probably make more sense that they'll keep Sonny Gray around, and maybe because Castile's uh, is Castile's walk here that they, you know, they part ways with him. Even even if they're you know having a good year they could they could you know probably lose him um what about james Pacton uh in in Seattle
8: you'll uh, be able to get more fish <laughs> you know they' they they're, they're 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 rebuilding they're rebuilding so they're just you know it, 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 it's 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 although They've got a good little young nucleus, you know, between Lewis uh, and uh, Crawford um and, and now uh, they also have the guys they got for in the uh, in the uh, canoe deal, uh, Jelinek, but I think he's already like hurt or something. He's going to start up the year possibly on the DL. They're they're, you know, they're praying for 500 at this point in time right now. They, you know, they, they right. have enough, they have a lot of good young players. I don't know if they have much to um you know to 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 be considered contenders um now that division right now is sort of in flux because you know California didn't really add anything to the pitching staff and you know the A's once you know once the guys start asking for a minimum wage they're going to they're going to
1: trade have trade them anyway right and and you know i i he didn't do much it well he was hurt with the yankees but uh, he has proven he could be a good starter i don't know what kind of money you were paying but it's it'd be interesting to see you know what what happens with him um if they if they move him what about wilson contreras it, i always thought he was a solid catcher and you know uh the the cubs got some 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 guys that they've been looking at with Baez, and, you know, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. Um Neither do they. I, I know that they've been <laughs> – <laughs> exactly. Neither like, do they. You, Neither you just, do they. I didn't think, you know, with Darvish gone, I mean, I don't know what are they trying to do. Well, like, they had to they they – see, the thing
8: is, if they had – like if they had kept Schwarber and Lester and Darvish – that would just add even more angst because the um, Rizzo's contract is up, Baez's contract is up, Contreras' contract is up, and
1: uh, you got the Bryant what? situation too.
8: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Chris Bryant, sure. and, and they were and they were blatantly putting him. I mean, you know, there was there was talk about him, you know, coming to Flushing as well, but it's you know again they're sort of like okay who do we keep because we're not gonna it's obvious they're not gonna keep them all it's pretty obvious they're not gonna be able to keep them all um right now i ba, now bias has said he wants to he wants to stay he, he basically says he wants to stay now whether they uh honor that that's a whole other thing but see um you know Right, right now it's again it's, it's 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 a matter of okay, who do we who do we keep here? Because see, it's not like before. See, now that now that their you know younger fans have had a, a taste of it, see, they can't go back to being the old lovable losers anymore. That's the thing. See, once they once they broke the curse, it was like okay, we expect this to you know. I'm not saying they expect them to be in the World Series every year, but the expectation level, they can they can't go back to being the, the, the lovable losers anymore to me.
1: Right. If they, want to right. Have a, I mean, they gotta win.
8: <laughs> or at least be content and see they'll you know depending on you know, with whoever they wind up going with going north this year, they're gonna be in the mix. I still think the Cardinals are a prohibitive favorite, strictly just right. because of, of of Arenado, and and they get um um uh, the what's it call it comes back um the the the, the, the what can I can't say oh Wainwright uh, comes back this year as well they've you know they're basically they've got uh, they're basically they got one last run left in them, and they're going to try to do what they can with it. And, and truth be told, they've got, they've got a lot of good young pitching um, as well. They might, they, I think clearly they have the, they may clearly have the uh, best staff in that division, not to mention the best, probably every day line if I know the, you know, Cub fans may uh, beg to differ a little bit, but um, it's, 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 yeah, with the, with the, with the Cubs, They'll be in the mix, but it's more. You know, their real their real season starts
1: when this season ends, in a sense. Right, right. You know, it's we're talking with Tony T Mac McLean talking some baseball here on the on the Boston News Radio Show, and T, you we go from the Cubs to a team who you said, you know, the run is done. This winning every other year is done. We've seen that. Uh, uh, with their staff and, and and that's the giants that they brought up Kevin uh, uh, Gossman. And you, you look at, when you look at the, that roster, they got a lot, you have more decisions on some older players in particular Buster Posey and Cueto. And then they got belt and Crawford and, and, and Donovan Solano that all these guys are, are, uh, you know, on the market next year, but what, what do you think with, with Kevin Gossman? Is, is he going to stay? Based on what they have going on right now, I know uh, they held on to him to try to make a run, and they didn't make a run. So, <laughs> what are they going to do with him? Uh, you know, truth be told, they have some good young players.
8: I feel you know, Jastrzemski's uh, uh, nephew is uh you know, right. has proven to be a hell of a ball player, and they've got some and they've got a little pitching. See, the thing now is now they have to reload in a sense. They have to rebuild, and it may take, um, you know, it's probably going to take maybe a couple of years, maybe, um, with the And, and see, they, like you said, they've got some decisions they have to make, in a sense, because see, uh, you know, Posey probably did himself a great favor last year by taking the year off, because now he right. comes back, you know, he's going to be a little bit more refreshed and whatever, and then you know, he may have a little bit more say into how they keep him. Um, yeah, they're just gonna. You know, let's put it this way: they're not as they're not as bad as the Rockies, but they're probably. You know, but needless to say, they're probably not as good as the Padres or the Dodgers at this point either. So they're, you know, yeah. they're in that, they're literally they're literally in that no man's land where they're they're literally a middle of the road right now, and 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 in baseball. That can right. be, you know, that can be deadly depending on on which direction you go and
1: and and how and how you see yourself. Yeah. Speaking of see yourself, boy, I tell you, you get Negro Diamond hit you, you know, with the Marlins with Starlin Marte. Now they brought him back, but you know, and I've always liked him and center field to, to, to speed. Uh, he's thirty two though, um, so I could see him. Them moving him to a team that's looking for that type type of player to get them over the hump in the playoffs and hopefully to the World Series. Do you think they keep or or move him this year? I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say
8: that they keep him only because hmm. now they've now for the first time in a while they've got. You know their their farm system. You know, as, as we saw last year when they went through a uh, thousand uh, players, their their, right. uh, their their farm system is very good, and they have some right. players. They literally have, you know, starting players. You know, waiting uh, on 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 there. The only reason why I think that they'll keep them in the mix is because I think that again, I think people are sleeping on them. And it's not now. I don't consider them a surprise. I think that they're going. You know, I'm again not saying they're going to win the division. I think that at the very least they're going to be fighting for a wild card. At the very very least. Now, if if now see, well they now. I guess the big question with them is: Are they going to get now? Are they going to get the San Diego effect where they had a taste of it last year, and now they're going to or what have you? Uh, now the difference is, of course, San Diego added uh, a bunch of guys. The, the Marlins basically, you know, a couple of maybe little moves, tiny moves. Here. I mean, right. they basically are bringing back, right. you know, the whole team this year for a full season. I, I think. this way? I think at this point they're just saying, let's not go through an eighty-man roster in, in in April this year, like they did last year. Like, and not only
1: that, too, T. You know their history, like they'll go for it, and then they'll go, it'll be feast or famine. So to your point, keeping him, they may want to make that run again, and then if they, you know, some way win the World Series, then you can see them breaking up the team all over again, like they've done after World Series in the past. So from that standpoint, I say they keep him. I do You see,
8: put it this way, because they brought in uh, Miss Ning, I think that they recognize that they've got a little something here. I think if you had said that last year when, the, you know, when when basically them and the entire state of Florida was going through COVID, it would have been like, nah, this, is, this ain't working. But that wound up being a blessing in disguise because it actually forced them to see, okay, who do we have on the farm? And they, you know, they they found, they they sort of, found out that, hey, we got some, you know, we got some, we got some players here. And now, and then see, once they brought in, uh, to me, Miss Ning, and, and let's be honest, I I I think uh, your boy is tired of uh, losing. I think he's had just about, I think he's just had about enough of losing.
1: Right.
4: Yeah.
8: Right. So, if, yeah. it's, and
1: if, if anybody's tired of losing, that uh, Coming from winning tradition and tired of losing, it would be him. So, to to well, your his, point,
8: his, he's kicking that. You know, his dog is probably the most violated person in Florida right now because he's probably kicking that damn dog after every after every game. You know, for the last few. Well, years. Or he's so, Hal McRae. Well, he's Hal McRae. So <laughs> I'm tired. Well, but be, yeah, but he'll be wearing he'll be wearing but he'll be wearing designer underwear as opposed to you know the uh, the Kmart specials <laughs> that that uh, that uh, Hal had on. But no, I I again I'm not saying look all I'm saying is that if everybody's buying into last year was a fluke, you know, okay. okay. I, I I don't see it. I don't see it. I, I, I think I, I think that they're about a year away from seriously being contenders if they're truly committed to doing this.
1: Right, and I don't think it, it's it, it's a hangover type thing. Just like I don't think the Padres will have that. I think the Padres are going to soar, and the Dodgers better beware. I think, I, and I don't think that with the Marlins. I think the Marlins, like you said, they know. Wait a minute, we got something here now.
3: Yeah.
1: You know, watch out, in Elise, we're right there. We 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 think we can win this division. So I'm with you on that with the Marlins. I, I think. Um, and and like I said, from that standpoint, where this go get it, and now you got a, a Yankee who's not used to to, to to losing, who's like, man, we need to go get it. Um, and maybe they even make moves in July. We'll see um, with with that that roster. But I'm I'm with you. I, I don't it's, think it's know, a fluke. See, a
8: lot of it, a lot of it is see with a lot of these teams, it's how they see themselves. I mean, with some teams, right. You know, with the moves or lack of moves, they sort of uh, they let you know what they think of themselves. Um, right. Other team, you know, the other teams that literally, like I said, you know, like the Cubs, like the other teams where they with with its contract issues, it's a it's a it's a slippery slope because do we go for it? Because at the end of the day. We you know we got you know we got to we got to see how this how this how this team's being made up, so you know it, it it again it makes for it it makes for a very interesting season because there's a lot of different contrasts. Um, you hope that the COVID factor won't be there, but you know we'd be foolish to think if it, we'd be foolish to think that it, you know that that it, that it would not be a, a, a factor in here at some point. But um, it's, you know, it's a, and again, I'm saying this even, you know, again, you know, look, I know a lot of people saying, you oh, know, you're just saying that because, you know, you got a new owner in New York and you feel good about the team. I, I feel this way anyway because there's just a lot of different stories. Now, is it nice that they're, that, um, that, they, that, that, that uh, a pimp named Fred doesn't own the team anymore? Oh, hell yeah. And, and, and already, right. I guess they're already. And apparently, you know, Lindor sort of um, let out, let it out the let it out the barn door that they were already talking, um, they're already talking they're already talking extension and he has said that he wants to get this you know if he gets you know he wants to either get this done now or wait till the end of the season he wants to get you know so that to me that's what that bodes well and the fact that they are negotiating helps because Lord knows if this has right. been the uh, old, if this had been the old regime. They'd have been hemming and hawing uh, the, uh at, at the at the press conference.
1: Yeah, and he'd be he'd be in another uniform. You know, it's funny that, that class of uh twenty one at uh the shortstop, some some great one. You mentioned with, with Lindor and the, the negotiations and, and and you look at guys, you mentioned Seager uh with 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 the Dodgers and you know, a story of the rockets. I mean, one of the guys that I thought about it at shortstop that is looking for an extension on a team that most people feel, even with, you know, uh, uh, losing the likes of uh, of a uh, Springer and, and Verlander with the elbow, is Correa, and I, I, it may be a long shot that he they move him because I feel like they'll have a good year, but. You know, could you see a scenario where he moves on from Houston? I'd be very surprised because because they, they, you know losing Springer, um,
8: you know losing Springer is, is, is a big move. And I think again, I think it adds even because who who's who's your leadoff guy? Do you let do you let Altuve be the, lead, the leadoff guy now, coming off of his bad season? Or I mean, to me to right. me, I would make Correa uh, my leadoff guy. Because right. he's about as close as you can get to Springer in regards to the you know getting a possible home run, but then also uh, getting on base. But yeah, I I'd, I'd be very surprised. But see, again, they're sort of laying in the weeds, but they also they got a chance to see their young talent. And see, the thing the thing with them is, excuse me, in my eyes, the whole World Series thing. It should be somewhat of a dead issue because they made the playoffs last year. It's, yeah, because, because I agree with you. My thinking, my my thinking is, okay, if it was that big of a factor, how come they made the playoff? Now, granted, yes, they were. You know, it was because of the expanded whatever, but it also gave them a chance. Again, they were one of those teams that had a chance to look at their young talent, and they come to find out, hey, we got some guys here, so.
1: I'm not Which sure is why, it'll... like I said, it it may be a stretch in terms of, you know, he he would more likely sign the extension. But if somehow, the bottom falls out, could you see them moving him? No, I could
8: see that because I mean, then then you know, you still have to have a nucleus there because cause see again, they were sort of facing a lot of things where, um, do you you know. He was the biggest, you know. He was the biggest name with the contract. Now, I believe, no, um, no, again, his his uh, his uh, time is up. His number is up this year, and I believe Yuli's um, uh, number Yuli is up as well at the end of this year. Yep. And you gotta right. keep look. You gotta keep some of them guys. You know, it's it see, it's a paradox because, because of the specter of the scandal. They're, you know, they're sort of, they're they're, they're sort of having to not so much reinvent themselves, but they have, they sort of have to, because people can see them making the playoffs last year, people sort of was like, eh, you know.
1: Right. But it was a big deal because of the whole scandal and everything. So,
2: you know, making playoffs,
1: even, they're talking about the extension, but it doesn't matter. If you make, and they, they made an impact. In the playoffs. So it wasn't like it, it wasn't uh, some kind of fluke. It, and so I'm with you. I, I, I still think, you know, there, there should have been a way of, of you oh, know, gonna, more people, people be... getting punished. Yeah. But, but they proved that they were legit, is my point, though. They were Absolutely. legit.
8: And see, and see, also, now that, quote-unquote, fans will be back now, now there's going to be more, even more backlash, to a certain extent, depending on how this whole fan thing plays
1: out at home. And think about it too, Tony, that with, right, and think about it, um, they should get some momentum um, well, I'm not sure about Houston, but I know the Texas Rangers said that they'll have full capacity. I'm not sure if Houston's doing the same thing, but um, it, they should get momentum at home, but they'll get that when they play, you know, the against the likes of the Rangers, it'll be it'll be rough, right? Yeah,
8: when they go on the road, and 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 Texas, um, the Rangers are just waiting for a Cowboy season, for the most part.
1: Yeah, basically, yeah. It, that's pretty rough. One one last guy before we get out of here, before we lose time, and that's uh, J.D. Martinez. The only reason I bring him up is he he has an opt out for this year, <laughs> but. And we talked about Boston, who they should keep and all this and all that kind of thing. The, the, uh, Martinez has shown that it, if he gets with the team in the, the playoffs, he should. We saw what he did, you know, the D-backs back, in, you know, a few years ago. So he can mm-hmm. be that guy. He's a little older, but he, he could be that guy that can kind of, you know, be in the playoffs and, and get over. Do you think if Boston struggles like they did last year, do they move him?
8: They got to be careful because you know he's got a big contract. I do you know, I'm not going to be right. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it, it's it's you know, they even though he he took somewhat of a hometown discount, even though he hadn't been a hometown guy. Um, I know. You know. Still, he's still making a few bucks. See, the thing with them is they need to um, uh, sign Beavers like yesterday, and 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 and, right. and working. You know, so they already they already got um they already have um Bogart uh, squared away um they're going to get you know they're going to get Rod they're going to hopefully get a full year out of Rodriguez you know coming back from covid and all the other stuff so and what is it now um Chris Sale uh, Chris Sale is 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 um has there been a Chris Sale sighting yet
1: well I mean, I'm hoping it's not a Chris Sale sighting or Divas sighting. Um
8: uh well, at, no, at, no, <laughs> no, sorry, you're you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Devers ain't going anywhere. Bar, bar, barring injury or 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 you know, backhandedness from the fans and or the uh management. But yeah, Deaver's. Divas is the guy that I, I would think that he's the next guy that, that should get a a, a a little bit of a contract from the Red Sox. But, you know.
1: But, you J.D., know, got, I, you know, he, he's got a two-year $40 million, almost $40 million, but he's got an opt for this year, an opt-out for this year. is why I brought right. him up in terms mm-hmm. of they struggle. Yeah, well, uh,
8: you know. Yeah, I, 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 he could walk, but you know, good for him if he's does. good, you know, good 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 for you know, good riddance to the Red Sox if he uh, if he walks. Because they wound up they chose him they basically chose to sign him and like, and, and throw their hands up for, 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 for Mookie. And you still Exactly you still, you still have folks that have tried to defend that. He wanted yep. too much money.
1: Right. How dare he? You yeah. know. Take the hometown of uh, um uh, money, Mookie. You came up, you're a red star, you came up through the rent come on. Take that, that little money in in that regard. Um but yeah, I and we I remember you and I talking about that. They're gonna they're gonna sign Chase T. Martinez over Mookie. It was just insane. And, 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 and so and, and, like and, you said it's
8: not so much and again. Look, it's not like we're it's not against JD. J.D.
1: It's not against yeah. J.D. Right, it's not.
8: You, know, you take care, because see, cause see, that's the dilemma that's going on in New York. Because see, you know, again, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a do a Negro, try to do a Negro dominance. If Lindor signs his extension before uh, Conforto, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be people that's going to raise hell about it. Mr.
5: Smile or of not.
8: Course. Yeah. And oh, by the way, before we go off the air, Texas son, thank you, thank you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
1: We're gonna run, and leave it at that. T, I appreciate you as always, man. We'll talk for next week. Uh, thank. Take care. Keep God bless, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Tony C. Mac McLean, of course, editor-in-chief of uh, Black Athlete Sports Network, uh, Black Athlete Sports Newsroom. Check them out. Miss any part of our broadcast. Go to our website, thebachelornewsradionetwork.com, thebachelornewsradio.com. Uh, we thank you. Follow us on Facebook at PadNation uh, and PadNation2 at Twitter, Instagram, and then email us at LABachelor forty at gmail.com or la at thebachelornewsradio bachelor with a T. Don't forget this evening love songs and of course on the weekends uh, our Saturday night dance party on thebachelornewsradio network <laughs>